Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, welcome to episode 144 of the Gail and Trombley show. My guest today is Dylan Snell. Uh, Dylan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. We pumped, uh, pumped to be here. I usually do like a little more of an intro. I just <laughs> I, I changed it around. I don't really have a th- like a formal yeah. intro. I thought about doing one, but I mean, I mean, like I don't keep things consistent. So sometimes you just talk, and then I forget to and actually announce the guest. But you are a loan consultant in business development at Cross Country Mortgage in Plattsburgh. Correct. Literally, like. Walking distance. To uh, the yeah, office. walked here today. Yeah, and, and uh, people were saying you can't believe you walked here, but it really is it's like two blocks. What's, your, what's the address? Sixty four. We're one twenty three, so it's yeah. really it's not right that there. far. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, Dylan, uh, for anybody that does not know you, give us a little rundown who you are and how you got into the mortgage business. Yeah, which that's kind of new. Yeah. Uh. So, grew up in Central New York, little town called Little Falls in the Mohawk Valley. Uh, I grew up on a farm down there. I. Uh, Graduated Little Falls High School in 2011. Um, after that, went to uh, Mohawk Valley Community College for a year. Um, thought I was going to be a track star, hammer thrower. And uh, after that, I, uh, I went to SUNY Cobleskill, got a degree in uh, dairy production and management. Um, joined a company, Pool and Grain, in 2013, and I worked with them until uh, 2021. Um, to, in that time, I bought two houses from Adam Crosley. Um, so we kind of knew each other a little bit. Actually, you were the realtor on both those deals. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Adam had a position open up for like an apprentice type position for loan consulting. Um, so I jumped ships, did a total one eighty, went from agriculture into the mortgage business. Um, so let's dissect that. Let's go back a little bit. Why, sure. When did you get in hammer throwing? Uh, well, I was a discus thrower in high school. Okay. I was like, so three three sports, football in the fall. Loved football. That's still my favorite one. Uh, wrestled in the winter, and then I did uh, track in the uh, in the springtime, uh, more or less just to kind of stay in shape for football season. Was and, it a big school? Uh, we had about 120 kids a grade. Not too big. Oh, but I mean, I grew up with Shazy. Yeah, right. Which, which is like a third of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so hammer throw, football, and then you said wrestling? Yeah, yeah, wrestling. Uh, wrestling was the hardest sport I did. Definitely put you in the best shape for the rest of the year. Um, so, would you, would you, I guess, what weight class were you in? I wrestled, uh, I was about 188 pounds, but okay. um, we had two guys, actually, my brother and I were both in the same weight class. He was two years older. And uh, so we just kind of floated back and forth. Uh, depending on the tournaments, he was he was a really good wrestler. So he was our A choice. So whenever, um, Whenever we got into a match, depending on who we thought the better wrestler was between the 189 and the 215 weight class, we would just switch the roles. He would take the better one. I'd take the lighter one. Oh, so, so you could fight, or I say fight, you could wrestle up? Yeah. Or did you have to cut weight 189? Uh, I was about 195 going into the season back then. So, uh, so if you went to 215, you were... I was, out, I was wrestling out of weight class at 215, but... Okay. Yeah. How was your success at that? Not great, man. I mean, 20 pounds in wrestling is a lot. Yeah, it's especially a huge guys difference. Know how do you leverage himself? Well, on, especially as a freshman in that weight class, you know, that's generally a senior weight class. So I'm 6'2", I'm a big guy, and uh, yeah, it, it was a challenge at times. 
I see like professional wrestling and like MMA and those guys and boxers like cut weight. Oh, yeah. And then they get, I mean, obviously they refeed and go fight, but it's like, I think what they've been talking about, like taking the weight classes and trying to like almost, I say cut them in half, but make the gap smaller so yeah. people aren't like starving themselves to get yeah, under weight class. Yeah, it sucks, man. I mean, we had to do a hydration test uh, a couple times a year in that season just to make sure nobody was like dying. Basically, mm-hmm. the state required it. And, uh, not, it was fun. I mean, honestly, it was more into wrestling just to get in shape for, for football and, and kind of maintain that shape throughout the year because the conditioning is so intense. There's nothing really like What'd it. What did you do for football? I was a defensive end. Okay, so the, always on the line? You always, yeah, always a lineman. Yep. You never did it two ways? Did you have oh, no. Kids not no our school was small enough that I played both sides of the ball. Uh, actually, special teams too, but... Um, yeah, defensive end was kind of my thing, and um, offensive line also. Yeah, I was a guard. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was gonna say like over six foot. Is, I'm sure they put you there. Yeah, that there wasn't like a really tight a end choice. or something. Yeah, yeah. At Little Falls is a very rural school, so if you got like a kid coming up at six two, at when he's a freshman, kind of licking their chops. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, yeah, you're going on the line. Were you six two that young? I was six one when I was a freshman. Jeez. I didn't grow much after freshman year. So I was. Uh, I went to the doctor's the other day and said I was five eight. Yeah, and I'm like. And, I, and I'm, I'm like, I got sandals on. She goes, I've always been 5'7". Yeah. She goes, ah, oh, you don't have that much of sandals. And then I look down, my sandals are almost exactly an inch. I'm like, I'm still 5'7". <laughs> I have not grown. I think I had like a little bit of a yeah. growth spurt maybe like freshman year of college. Went from like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, yeah, it was, yeah. It was a pretty intense year. Um, What's funny though, man, it, uh, is uh, Plattsburgh State was actually the first school to send me a recruit letter. For? For track. Okay, I was going to say. My junior year. And I was like. Plattsburgh State, dude, no way. Like, I looked at it on a map. I was like, I am not moving all the way up there. Like, I was in Central New York at the time. And then here I am 10 years later. Even more north than Plattsburgh, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so civil engineering. Then you went to yeah. the Associate of Science of Dairy Management and Production. Yep. Um, was it, like, farming always kind of, like, the mindset going in? Absolutely. Okay. Um, with the civil engine, you know, you get out of high school and you're like, I don't really know what I want to do. So I went to a local school, and I mainly because I knew the track coach there. Uh, he was a super guy. Um, so after about a year of that, I was like, wasn't feeling real passionate about the engineering thing and didn't think it was a good fit. So, um, I kind of went back to what I knew mm-hmm. and, uh, got in the agricultural program there. Loved my time at SUNY Coval skills, very hands-on, very good, you know, my style type learning, um, met a lot of really cool people. And then it, I feel it got me prepped really well to get into the industry. So when you were young, I mean, is your family still running an active dairy farm? Uh, no, my uncle has a dairy farm, my parents, which, uh, so I'm fourth generation of raising beef cattle. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Technically we're not four generations at one farm because my parents are still back there. Mm -hmm. You know, where we are is I guess first generation, but, um, you know, my parents, my grandfather, my great grandparents, I'm both mom and dad's side were farmers. So, um, so when you say beef cattle, that that's like, that's purely raising the cattle for beef, like to be absolutely slaughtered more than, you know, for milk or whatever. Yeah. hundred percent. We don't milk cows. Um, the way we kind of run our business now is, uh, we're basically up to about 30 animals total. Um, this is on your farm. This is on our farm, Chasey. Okay. Yep. Um, we uh, we cover just about 100 acres of, of ground for hay a year, mm-hmm. and then we pasture about another 30. Um, we would do something called rotational graze, so we don't feed anything in the summer other than our pasture grass, and we intensively manage it so the cows spend no more than three days in a pasture. We have 11 pastures that we work off, um, and that way it just kind of ensures that the quality of grass that they're getting is like super high end the whole way through the process. Um, so we are technically a grass-fed herd all the way through. Um, do you always carry about 30? Yeah, so we're, we've, we're kind of changing our style a little bit. I think, uh, honestly, you know, 
like COVID has really changed our business a little bit from the perspective of what the supply and demand is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting a lot more interest in like local beef. Like essentially, you know, we cover the slaughter in and take care of everything. We send it to a USDA facility at Tritown. Um, so everybody, I'm getting so many phone calls. It's like, hey, do you guys got a quarter for sale or do you got hamburger for sale or something like that? In the past, we've done uh, one or two animals a year for that. Uh, this year, we're, we're looking at doing like 12. So basically once a, one a month. So out of the 30 each year, how many would you actually send like to slaughter? Are you called send slaughter? Or yeah, what? absolutely. Okay. No, you're correct there. Um, so in the past, like I said, we've done one or two a year. And okay. then the rest of our calf crop. So we, everybody calves in May. Okay. And, and calf, calves is what? Uh, like new animals. Like okay. baby calves. Actually babies. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So we're a seasonal calving herd because of, we live in, you know, upstate mm-hmm. New York. We don't want to calve in the middle of winter. Um, so everybody calves in uh, between April and May. And then by about October, we do, uh, we, in the past, we were sending all those animals to uh, the Finger Lakes. There's a really good auction down there. Um, the higher price buyers, so it's a good place to send them. So we put them on a, a double-deckered 18-wheeler cattle trailer, and we ship them from Shay down there. Um, so in the past, that's kind of what we were doing was raising all, or selling all our calves that way. Um, now we're getting to the point where it's basically a commodity market, right? So mm-hmm. whatever they're paying price per pound, you're kind of stuck with what it is right um now we're getting to the point where we're not going to do that anymore we're going to retain those animals which is uh like this year we've got nine calves um so we'll retain those nine calves we will keep them between 18 and 24 months okay and then that's kind of when we'll hit their slaughter weights so i mean so if you only slaughter two per year roughly i mean so it was a very small scale oh yeah so when you're talking like people reaching out saying do you have a half a cow you're like no we have two cows yeah like, we couldn't fill the order we still can't that's the thing it takes so much time to get there that we're probably still at least a year out before we're ready to start hitting one a month before we can start slaughtering one a month consecutively and that would be how, how many in, um how many in like the pasture would you need like right now you have 30 do you have to get the 60 50 40? oh no i think we could honestly uh we would have to be about 45 basically so and we, that you could just keep re- rotating yeah through. so about two so the way our herd set up right now is we've got about 10 mothers uh between 10 uh steers which is something getting ready to be butchered mm-hmm. and replacement heifers animals will breed back and then we've got 10 calves. So it's about a third on everything. So basically, we'll just have to double that middle number there. So we'll have to run about 20 um, steers in now, that section. In order to grow that to 45, is that purely the calves that you that get yeah. b- born on your property? It's not like you want to buy somewhere else. The thing about it is I really like just r- raising from within because I know what the quality is. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not huge on going and buying animals. I have bought animals from, you know, we I bought some animals out of the state of Vermont. Um, I know a guy over there is a very good breeder. Um, I've bought some animals local to kind of get our numbers built up. But now that we are where we are, our biggest restrictor is land. I mean, you're from Shazy, you know, mm-hmm. the majority of the land is controlled by some larger farms, which is fine, but we just have to, we have to be a little bit more competitive on, on land. Um, we have to work a little bit harder. So right now we do about 60 acres in Allenburg. So we oh, truck wow, okay. all our equipment up to, it's almost, it's actually the base of Lion Mountain is where we are. So wow. it's a little past Allenburg. Um, so we truck all our equipment up there. It just takes some extra time and stuff, but that's probably our biggest limiting factor on growth right now. Um, so when it comes, when it comes time, like, is this more of a hobby right now? Or is this something you want to f- like turn into a, like a very lucrative, I say lucrative, but like a relatively lucrative business? Yeah. I mean, right now we break even every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one benefit to agriculture is, uh, the tax benefits to it. Yeah. Right. Um, so we would, yeah, I would certainly like for it to be, uh, a manageable, but, um, there's no way for where we live in this part of the country that it could be a full-time, like, you know, step out of the mortgage business and do that full-time. So it's, it is kind of like scratching the itch of still being in farming, still Absolutely. kind of being, um, now 
how was that growing up as a kid, like working on a farm? Did you, was, I mean, do you have like the, obviously you didn't milk cows, but you had the chores, did you? Yeah, absolutely. Early morning, kind of before school? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, the beef cattle business, which was really cool. It's, just, um, it's the, there's some seasonality in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, like I always tell Victoria, who didn't really grow up on a farm. Um, did she get, do all the stuff too? Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah, okay. She loves it. Cool. Yeah. Um, which was like, it's, it's grown like Victoria's my wife, by the way, it's grown year over year for her, uh, in terms of her involvement in it. Yeah, but that's cool. yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, it's fun to do as a family and, um, but, uh, yeah. So growing up, um, basically we looking at like, uh, where am I going here? I'm having a brain fart. Oh, uh, the seasonality that yeah. like what's goes on. So like springtime's always like get like get all the fence prepared re- repaired for the season of what happened over the winter, right? You know, we live in upstate New York, there's snow, there's frost, like the fence gets out of whack. So you spend a couple of weeks doing that, and then you're kind of getting prepped and ready to start your haying season. Um, that runs you through most of the summer. Um, then as you get into the fall, you're bringing animals in the barn. So there's not like day-to-day chores really to do at the level we grew up with. Uh, where we are now, it's more of like a cow. So what our day looks like now is, you know, we get up every morning. Uh, we've got a side-by-side. We take it out. We check the herd. We make sure everybody's healthy, looks okay. Like nobody got themselves into trouble, right? And then um, when it's calving season, that's probably the hardest, most time-consuming uh, thing. Um, we, tr- If we know we have a cow getting ready to show labor, uh, we'll check her like once an hour throughout the night so you don't sleep a lot during calving season. Um, and then, yeah, we get into haying, and like haying takes quite a bit of time, but uh, the difficult thing with managing a full-time job and haying is – sometimes the sun shines Monday to Friday and it doesn't shine Saturday and Sunday. So like working between your professional schedule and your personal schedule and trying to balance that. So when you, Hey, do you, do you uh, rent the equipment or do you have a baler? Do you... Oh no, I have everything except the baler. Okay. So I don't know if you know, uh, Brad, uh, McDonald, he does a bunch of bailing for me. Mike Castine. I don't know. If yeah. You know Mickey. Mike. Yeah. yeah. Mike just did some bailing for me up in Elmberg. Nice. He's a great, that's guy. where we usually get our meat from is Mickey. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So we yeah. get, we get meat every year from Mickey. It's great. Yeah. 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 So he uh, helps me out a little bit with some nice. of the bailing. So um well so i was wondering if you kind of like it like share resources a little bit amongst the agriculture up here um some maybe run, yeah friends. so like mike's a great guy he helped me out when we were in a pinch up there because we had some rain coming in so he helped me get the bales uh get that stuff bailed up in a hurry because it's it's a challenge to get equipment from chazy to allenberg or yeah. lion mountain so um so he helped me in a pinch right there um other than that it's just the uh the toughest thing about it, honestly, is like all your costs, your input cost is so incredibly high, right? Like no, I feel bad, but it's just the way the system is built nowadays, especially coming from like pooling grain and really seeing, you know, farming as a, from a business perspective, like a young person can't get into it on their own. Um, your input costs are like so insanely high. What's the, what's the margin on stuff like that? Like, cause I'm just, huh? Pennies. So, cause I always, I mean, yeah, I think agriculture is a very, uh, you know, kind of deem it like an archaic, you know. You start off like hunters, gatherers, you know, yeah. and then it's, and then you start growing. It's like people have been farming for centuries and or thousands of years, you know, and it's like in yeah. whatever that, that might yeah. look like. So now you start looking at stuff that's able to be processed, quicker produced, things like, and you start yeah. to see that the farming market, especially milk prices and all this stuff yeah. that are starting to take a hit because the margins aren't there. It's like, yes, there's a lot of work into it. Oh, it's the work. It's the input cost. Um, the cost of everything is just so insanely high that like if you go out and do hay and you know, your tractor has an issue, right? You blow a tire and it costs you a thousand bucks to fix it. Like you just ate up the majority of your margin from your hay and crop for the year. So you have to be like super careful. A lot of guys are very, uh, farmers are incredibly innovative on doing repairs themselves in order to kind of cut costs down. The biggest problem with agriculture that, you know, I see, and I think most of the country struggling with is it's a commodity market. 
So you can't go out there and name what you want to get for your price. They tell you what you're going to get for your price. And that's, it's super volatile, you know, like, uh, coming from the dairy industry, the price of milk in 2013 was like t- between 24 and $26 a hundred weight, the units in which they sell it. And then it like a year later, it's like $12 a hundred weight. So basically what they're getting paid, it'd be like if you were buying a $40,000 truck from Della mm-hmm. and the next year there, somebody told Della, all your costs are the same, if not a little bit more, but now you can only sell this truck for 20,000. Um, it's not a fit. It's not really fiscally way to do things. So if they could make a dollar at 20,000, well, now you have to sell so many more units in order to make the same level of income. And so that's basically the system was what's driving the growth within. That's why you see these farms getting so expansively large because they're running off penny margins. Now, now when you see like what happens with like acquisition of farming, is that just people that are just burnt out that want to get over it or are just going out of business kind of deal? Cause you start to see like some, yeah. some at least I, I, I feel like over the last, you know, handful of years, decade or whatever, you're starting to see a lot of farms sell to other farms yep. and might kind of merge. I mean, what's the process of that? Is that like the reasoning behind it or? Uh, I think it's a, it's a couple things. So one, the, the younger generation of those smaller farms are kind of watch their parents struggle their whole lives. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, a lot, you know, seeing what those kids uh, go through in school and realize what's out there outside the farm and the level of income they can make. And they don't have to work seven days a week, you know, 15 hours a day and they can make way more money not farming right so unless you're super passionate about it it's easy to kind of walk away from the farm um the biggest reason we see farms give up at this point is one the average age of the farmer continues to go up because the input cost to get in is so high that young people aren't doing it so you're just seeing larger farms grow and they're acquiring the smaller farms um and the the smaller farms, again, from a marginal perspective, they're getting paid the same unit price for their product as like, you know, a 50 cow dairy gets paid the same as a thousand cow dairy for percent in milk in terms of that unit price. But if they only make a, you know, penny or less margin on it, uh, they can't sustain any type of growth or, you know, business per standpoint. They're not making any money. Do you find that these farm eventually... Like what, what's your, what's the future of farming? Like, do you see like, is there trends? Is there stuff? Is it going to be sustainable? Yeah. I think the trend right now is, um, I, I mean, I hate to say it cause what used to cover the landscape was mom and pop dairies on a small level between 30 to 80 to a hundred cows. Um, that's essentially going out unless that farm, you know, I know a lot of farms at that level still and they're, they're profitable, but, um, they have like they essentially have to have zero debt, right? They can't carry any debt throughout the year, otherwise it's not profitable anymore. You can't make, um, you can't pay for the the normal day to day cost on top of like a installment loan with that, right? Like they can't have a bunch of tractor debt or a farm debt or anything like that if they're only getting paid penny margins. They got basically enough to buy the cow feed and continue to stay going. Um, Where do most of these people make the money though, like farmers? You said the margins is commodity and you said it's kind of more scale, like the amount, yeah. but like if you're saying like a lot of them are barely making money to rebuy feed, yeah. is there like incentives, obviously grants, things like that? that kind There's of a little bit of that. This past year with COVID, there was quite a bit of funds that came out. So farmers qualified for the PPP money, mm-hmm. um, like most small businesses did. Um, there was some COVID relief funds that came out, which kind of helped offset the debt a little bit. Um, there is some things like that throughout the year. Uh, more or less the goal is kind of just to break even, you know, they're not turning like a huge profit for the most part, but if they can break even, that's the goal. No, a lot of these farmers, are they full, that their full-time gig? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They live, breathe. Aside from a guy like me who has 30 cows, mm-hmm. um, you know, anything other than that, it's like a full-time gig. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just fascinating because obviously, I mean, from Shay Z, you know, you know, the Drews, obviously, and then yeah. Rovers are kind of the two, yeah. the two major ones. And you've seen them the whole, your whole life. Like, you've yeah. seen the, uh, and they're different farming. One's chicken, one's, um, I mean, Rovers is more cattle, right? Yep. Yeah. That's um, a dairy farm. Dairy farm. Yeah. So you look at, you know, the, like you said, the amount of land and then just the, the process of what they have going on and the amount yeah. of people that work there and the amount, like it's, I mean, it's a major business in our area yeah. like, and I don't, I'm not real, I've never been in it. So like, I kind of look at it from afar and just yeah. like, is it something now knowing that, you know, I'm 30 years old when the kids, when I was a little kid, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, which is 20 yeah. plus years ago, it's yeah. much different than it is now. Oh, so yeah. it's like, you know, I kind of. I feel like I'm I'm removed from the farming industry. You still yep. like the minor farm in Chazy, which is still up and running. Yeah. They're still doing stuff, but I find that's more geared more at like research and more like development of like yeah. agricultural systems. Um, I would say a farm like that is structured definitely differently than like a like a Rovers or a Tony the Pier or something like yeah, that. Tony, One yeah. of the local farms, yeah. Yeah, Tony's been at it for years. Yeah, I mean, since I mean, as long as I've. So here's that. the here's what I think is really fascinating about from their perspective these guys that are still in business and doing a great job yeah the level of education they have and the specificity to their industry and like how far advanced they are in technology just blows my mind did um did andrew is he back at the farm so andrew Tony as far as i knew uh andrew he went to cornell right yeah i think he just finished his phd Alec is back there. Yep. Um, I don't know if Andrew will take... So Andrew got a uh, PhD in essentially the industry that I worked in, which was animal nutrition. Okay. Um, it was funny because we would go... Like, it would be an East Coast event, and, like, Andrew would be, like, presenting about, like, his research, right? Yeah, so it's smart kind of cool. Yeah, oh, like, brilliant. Yeah. Like, just blew, blew me out of the water. I was like, yeah. dude, I don't even know what you said. Like, I'll buy you a beer. Give me the dummy version. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, he's a great guy, but uh, the research he's doing is literally just, like, light years ahead of anything we've kind of seen in the past really so yeah. he's pretty innovative with yeah the field. i mean like you're you're a healthy guy like you're into working out and stuff and i'm sure like your nutrition and like from the amino acid standpoint um yeah, the meats yeah so they're looking at like you know when we feed those amino acids as a limiting factor right like what's like the base level of amino acids we can feed to get like a profitable return on our investment which is pretty cool uh because they sell beef right there they do yeah tony's? no tony's got a great little beef business there yeah it's a wonderful um, job of that yeah, so I mean, is that, and that would be a supplement off of, because he's dairy also, right? Yeah, I would say uh, the majority of Tony's business is structured around the dairy farm. Dairy. Yeah. How, how many cows does he have? So when I got out at Pool Inn, Tony was milking right around 500 cows. Wow, that's good. Now, I'm assuming that's all machine milked, right? Yeah, the yeah, milk. yeah. I mean, you're not going up like the old school bucket. And, oh, God, no, cause no, I, no. Cause <laughs> my, uh, so my family, my grand, well, so my grandfather's brother's, grew up on a farm yeah. uh, or had a farm out there. My grandfather grew up on a farm back in the you know, 20s and 30s and 40s, yeah. but um, his brothers still had a dairy farm. So when we went over to visit them, this is years ago when I was, I think, still in high school. And uh, we went to their house. And again, this is Ireland. So you're talking yeah. very oh, agricultural, cool. like a, a massive agricultural, um, you know, just sector of that country. And uh, yeah, we went in there, you know, milking cows and switching them out. And it was just when our cousin um, or his son was running the dairy farm. It was cool. I mean, yeah. you, you see it at home, but then you go into Ireland and you just kind of see it. And it's like a, to- it's, it's all the same stuff, but it's just yeah. with an Irish flair on it. And yeah, it's yeah, cool because yeah. they're all just, you know, they're farmers and they're, uh, that was kind of my family, my Irish family, like a portion of them were farmers. One was a butcher and one like, yeah, but it's kind of, oh, it's, really it's cool, a very man. like, I- Ireland and certain parts of Ireland is 
you know, I would say decades behind us. Yeah. Even like rural where we are and you go over there and you're like, man, it just seems like I'm like going back in the past. A bit, oh yeah. You know? And it's uh different system. It's cool though. So it's, it feels slower and it's kind of like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a nice reprieve <laughs> from the day to day, like craziness. But, um, so you left, okay. So you left, um, agri- well, your main gig is agriculture. You're still, you're still part of it. You're yeah. Still, you know, like I said, yeah, still part I'm of your way life. too. Yeah. I got the bug, man. I'll always do something involved with agriculture, but now you switch to financing mortgages. homes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so kind of, kind of t- which is cool. Cause I, we had talked, uh, how long you been there now? Oh, uh, I started months? beginning of April. So not even not no geez, way. Three yeah. Months? It, it just it seems, seems like longer. It does. Um, cause I remember talking with you prior to you going into it and you're kind of asking about it and you know, yeah. I can see that I can see your wheels turning as to, is it good or not? And again, I know about as much as I just talked to you about dairy or agriculture, but like, I, you know, kind of knowing the mortgage industry and Ben and, you know, working side by side with the mortgage lenders in the area. Um, why did you make the jump? How's the transition been? Like yeah. what's life like now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, with everything we just kind of covered talking about penny margins and farm consolidation, basically, um, my role at Poolin for the eight years I was there was, uh, animal nutrition and sales and, uh, you know, it's like any salesperson would know you have goals that you have to meet year over year. It's hard to kind of meet your goals when the, you know, you're seeing 10 to 15 to 20% of your business just sell out, like just disappear. Uh, it made me a little bit nervous. I'm a, you know, I'm a young guy. I'm only 28. I've got a two year old son at home. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, where I live, uh, with what my life goals are. I don't know if I want to start, you know, pulling grain was amazing. I have nothing but good things to say about them. They're a great organization. Um, they gave me an opportunity to start calling on farms back where I grew up in central New York, but four hours, one way, once a week, it was like, I don't think that really lines up. Were you up. doing that? No, I, it didn't get to that point. Okay. Yeah. That's when I kind of decided, um, you know, Adam had, Adam had, uh, put out that he was looking for somebody and um uh, i didn't know adam that well then i mean i did two mortgages with him but yeah. it's not like we hung out on the as you know he's got a big team around him so oh it's like, yeah yeah and uh when i did my last mortgage with adam it was still like just adam okay yeah which was, was nicole there at the time she was but like i never did i never met her okay. like it was like my loan uh was like adam and katie right that's who i remember from yeah. my last my last mortgage but wow yeah that was a long time ago. yeah it was 2018 right Wow. See, see, that also seems longer too, yeah, but yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. So he, um, so he put out, he's looking for somebody like an apprentice and I was kind of worried about the futures and I wanted to make sure you kind of got the vibes in the dairy industry that like, I hate to say this. I'm like, if anybody from dairy industry is listening, they're going to kick my butt, but like kind of feels like the coal industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like at some point it's not sustainable. Like a future is not sustainable at the level that we need it to. So look, it's, so it's a real train. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we can't hear that from the office. Oh, at all? Yeah, no, like not at all. It's crazy. Oh, oh it because well, they honk here, right here, because go past the road. Oh, because you go down to the turtle. Yeah. There's a dock road right the dock street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So getting back to the like the grain thing. So I got out of the grain business. Uh, I talked to Adam. Probably I went to his camp on New Year's Day. And I was like, "Hey, dude, like I got time. I'll shoot down to meet you. Like keep everything real quiet. It's like been cold up there. It actually was like a decent day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like. I don't know why we, he was going to his camp on New Year's Day. I don't know anybody go down there in the middle of winter. Sounds like Adam, though. Yeah, right. Like he was just going to day cut off. trees or something down, right? So I shot down. I talked to him. He kind of told me what he was thinking. And I was like, 
yeah, that's not what I want to do. Like this, I don't think I want to do this. Right. So I was like, Hey dude, appreciate your time. Like, here's some stuff that I've worked on sales wise, but like, I got to digest it. It's like so polarly opposite to what I've been doing. Like I couldn't see myself doing it. And I'll give Adam credit, man. He follows up and he follows up and then he follows up again. Uh, he's worse than those guys that call you about like extending your car warranty. <laughs> he just, hate. and so eventually he's like talking about it and we, I kind of figured it out a little bit more and Adam, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have had heard his saying, or maybe it's your saying, I don't know, like the ready fire aim deal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, don't like, I'm jumping a 10 year career to come here. Don't tell me ready fire aim. Like give me a plan, you know? So he kind of, I give him credit. He worked things up. He figured it out. And then, uh, yeah, the interesting thing was, uh, I love doing the, 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 I was essentially a consultant at Poolin. Um, so, you know, it was sales and consulting, right? So even if you couldn't help somebody, you help them figure out a plan on how you could help them. Right. And it, it, when he explained that role would be very similar in the mortgage business, that was something that's really intriguing. That's something that kind of bred into me. I love helping people. I want to be able to help them figure out a problem. Maybe they're not qualified right now to buy a home, but if we can take the time to work through things and follow up with them once a month or once every three months, whatever works for them, and kind of go from there and get them established and ready to buy a home, it's cool because even from April till now, we've been I've been able to go through that process with a couple of people. Like, hey, you kind of weren't ready. Let's fix a couple things here. And hey, now you're buying a home. Like, it's a very rewarding process. Do you find how is it being on this side of the of the mortgage now, where you've been on the other side a couple times as as a consumer of it? But yeah. Um, I don't. Do you have a like a? I'm obviously a better understanding now. Oh yeah. But I mean, is it more of like an appreciation or more? Because I always wonder, like when I got a real estate and I never bought a home before. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, I, I don't know any different in, in any home I've bought and I've bought and since I've been in real estate. This so. is going to sound super millennial and like terrible, but like when I bought the home, the, when we, so we bought a home in like 2015, I think, and then sold that home and bought yep. one in 2018. It's back up for sale, I believe. Oh, no, I'm turning it up, man. It's a sore subject. Okay. It's sold for like 70 grand over what we sold it for. Oh, did, did it? Yeah. Well, the market's insane. Good for them, right? Yeah. I'm like, dude, you, I just gave up college tuition, but good for them. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the market's stupid right now. Yes. But, uh, no, it's good. I'm glad it sold good for the people. They're good people that bought it. But, um, yeah, so being on both sides of it, I think, uh, I have a great like appreciation for the people like going through the process. Cause, um, again, it's going to sound bad, but like, I kind of just trusted Adam. I was yeah. like, all right, this guy's like kind of a redneck like me. Like, I don't think he's going to do like do me wrong in this process. So I was like, you just do what's best, man. This is a house I want. I was never like a shopper. Yeah. I'm not like the guy that calls and is like, you better give me an interest rate or I'm walking. Right. I was like, dude, I want this home. Like, just help me get it. And like, he helped me get the first one. So on the second one, I was like, no brainer. I'm calling Adam. He helped me get the second one, which is like a way sketchier deal. Not from oh, his perspective, yeah, yeah, from yeah, the seller's the perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he like helped me through that. That was a nightmare, but we ended up making it work. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm happy now. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I definitely have appreciation for like, especially those first time home buyers, like talking to them and helping them figure it out. And Do you find, um, like, how does the people that shop around, like, what, what's your, I get that a lot. Like, people yeah. will be like, hey, listen, go. Cause people ask us a lot is we don't, we don't find it as much now as we did when I first got in the business. Because back then, everybody was like, I just want to buy a home. And that yeah. was right after the mortgage lending issue or the, the subprime mortgage um, in 07 and 08. And when people started to come, they were like, hey, I just want to buy a home. And like, well, you haven't talked to a bank yet. And then you yeah. find out they're not qualified. It's much better now. Um, but now you get a lot of people. I'm like, listen, like these people are good. They do a great job. And then 
You get the ones while I'm shopping around. Yeah. So I'm sure you hear that. There, there's certain things that we hear like in real estate where you just kind of like roll your eyes. You're like, <laughs> sure, go do it. Like I, you, we know they're going to do it because someone told them to do it or it's just like, a, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a, uh, what's the word? It, it, it's kind of like a something just in the industry that people expect that it's just right. like, well, you really don't need to do that or shouldn't do it. But yeah. I, I get it. Everybody's telling you to do it, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the way I kind of position myself on those deals is like, even when I was in the grain business, it's just like follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, you know? So if I talk to somebody today, honestly, and they're like, well, I'm going to talk to another, you know, lender tomorrow at 9am. I call them at 10am. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, how'd it go? You know, do you have any questions? Like even from, from their perspective, like you don't have to tell me all the numbers, but like, do you have questions about like how these things lined up? We need to make sure we're comparing apples to apples. Cause yep. nine times out of 10, you're not yeah. like homeowners insurance quotes are different or mortgage and PMI quotes are different. Or they may, they may use the wrong taxes sometimes. Th- that or they're not even throwing the taxes in. Yeah. No, so the mortgage, like, my principal and interest is this. My, oh yeah. Yeah. What's your, yeah. What's the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I try to again, play that consultant role. Like if they need help with anything, I always tell them, Hey, I'm here for you, which honestly, that's how I truly feel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I want them to be able to call me and if they have any questions and follow up with them and you know, it's, it's fun cause you get to learn about people. So if they've got stuff going on, you know, if they're going on vacation, like I call them when they get back from vacation, Hey, how was your trip? Right. Just checking in see how everything was like, I know you put an offer in a couple weeks ago. We didn't hear anything. You want your trip? Like, you know, how's things going with you? And you know, just, I think that kind of stuff, make it a little bit more personable. So it doesn't feel like a bank transaction. When, when uh, so one of the things when I, when I started getting into real estate, I, I looked at, you know, being a low man on the totem pole and not like doing a lot of business. Nobody knew who I was. Yeah. I was a young kid, uh, still in college to get to the point where, Hey, I want to become, you know, the top agent in the area. Okay. How do I do that? So I remember looking down and I still tell this all the new agents today. It's like, what was my, what is my competitive advantage as a 21 year old kid that's selling real estate that has never bought a home and still lives <laughs> mom and dad. Like yeah. that was, that was yeah, truly yeah. it. And real, realistically, it's like, you don't have the experience. You don't have the connection. So then it's like, okay, what do I have? Well, I, like you just said, I can be super persistent and not, not like over the top, like a p- yeah, pushy, right. but persistent. Meaning if I'm, I'm going to keep my notes, I'm going to be very organized. I'm going to, I'm going to follow up. I'm going to tell you when I'm following up and then I'm going to follow up when I told you I was going to follow up, which most yeah. people don't do that. No. Which is simple. Like I look at it as like, if you tell someone you're going to call them in a month and then you don't check in for three months, like yeah. that's just, that's just bad on your part. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's like, bad I don't, business. Yeah, but it, but it's not even like you take away the business side. It's just like you're saying what you're gonna do something, just do it. And it could be anything. It could be like, hey Dylan, you know, like, hey man, can you like stop at my house and grab something? You know, I don't know. Like, I need, I forgot something at the house. Can you bring it? I'm like, yeah. okay, I, yeah, I'll stop in. And then I just don't. And you're like, hey Dylan, did you, did you grab that? I'm like, yeah, and no, I just skipped it. Yeah, like it's almost like saying that to someone. Like you're saying yeah. you're gonna do something and totally, uh, or like, hey, we're gonna go get lunch on Tuesday, and I just don't show up to the meeting or don't show up, and it's yeah. like. You know, if you follow through on what you're going to say or what you want to do, but that is so being organized and just being persistent, like you said, most people, at least I'm going to say this in the real estate industry, my guess is mortgage is very similar. A lot of people don't follow up. No, it's like, no way. It And it's the simplest. You don't have to be even good at mortgages. Yeah. And it's, be organized. they're like super black and white about like, it's either uh, you're a yes or you're a no. And I'm not explaining why. Like we hear that so much. Like, Hey, I just called this other lender and. Uh, you know, we were doing, working on some stuff outside the area now too. Right. And I hear it a lot more outside the area than I honestly do in the North country. I think North country is really good about their service levels, but. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know, for the, some of the stuff we're working for outside of the city of Plattsburgh and outside of Clinton County, it's like, uh, I call Quicken. Right. And they basically said yes or no. And then like hung up the phone or, you know, I called this, you know, Jim and Pete's mortgage business and they were like, 
hey, you're not approved and kind of like just left it at that. But and it was like there was none of that follow up. There was none of that helping them get to the point of which it, which it may be. They may they're probably going to be a no with me, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at what we need to be at for required numbers. But I at least want to show them how they can get to a Yes. I don't want to just kind of leave it. I don't know. What happens? Like if somebody doesn't qualify, like what, what, where do they, where do they go in your system? Yeah. So we, we run like a lead tracker and a pipeline. So our pipelines are deals that are kind of working to get closed. Uh, our lead trackers are follow-up system, which, um, I love Microsoft Excel. And honestly, that's kind of what we're using right now. I've got my whole week set up on Excel tabs. So especially with some of the business development stuff that I'm doing where I'm, uh, reaching out to areas outside of Plattsburgh and I need to be responsible for following up with them. I'm making so many phone calls and some of them, it's just like s- simple stuff like, you know, Hey, I'm Dylan. We're in your area. Just want to let you know, you know, we're licensed down there. We can help you out with some stuff. Here's some info about our loan programs. That first call it, you know, if you make 30, 40 of those a day, it's easy to kind of lose people in the system. So I've got everything structured on pipeline or on uh, Excel, and then I put it in my calendar too. So if I know for sure, if I call somebody like, hey, now's not a good time. Can you call me You know, next Tuesday at 10? I just go right to Outlook, fire it up, put it in at 10 o'clock, and then kind of run it that way. So if somebody needs a follow-up, it goes in my calendar Like the, as soon as they tell me they need a follow-up. Um, so if somebody, say, hypothetically, you call somebody, don't qualify, maybe they're short, maybe they're they're a 580 yeah. credit score. Like, are you guys looking at that as done deal, like, just cross, cross them off our list. Do you put them in a follow a future follow up program? Do you? Oh no no. So what we do is, uh, what we do is we're kind of responsible for that follow up within Adam's team, right? Like mm-hmm. whoever takes that initial calls. Uh, the way we look at it is kind of responsible for that follow up. So if I talk to somebody today and uh, if they're a five eighty, which by the way we can qualify a five eighty, uh, if they're let's say they're like a five fifty, right? Mm-hmm. We've got this really cool tool that we use to help them, like give them what if scenarios. So we, you know, we look at all their liabilities and say, yeah, you're 550 now, but if you pay this down to 30% a limit and you do a couple things here, you know, your projected score is a, a 590 in a month, right? Or in six months or whatever it takes. Maybe they don't have the funds to do that all in a month, which is understandable. So we set, you know, try to set up a plan with them um, to get that stuff taken care of so they can get their credit score back up. Um, and then I'll literally, like, I just talked to somebody today. I have a follow-up with her. I just put in my calendar for January 1st of next year. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know who it is. I've got the file bill and I've got my note section and like, I'll just reference the notes and give her a call in January and we'll like, we'll get her refinanced. How do you, um, cause most of your interaction right now is, is over the phone. Yeah. So how do you structure your week up? So right now, the way I kind of do it is, uh, I would say about half my time is doing local stuff, like basically assisting Adam with his team, um, and pinch hitting, I guess is a good way to put it. So, um, I did get licensed before I joined Adam's team. So, um, I'm not just like a, an assistant to the team. I'm actually like a licensed LO at this point. Um, so I will originate loans in Plattsburgh for Clinton County. Um, we kind of just run the schedule with three LOAs right now. So, um, between, you know, Nicole and Michelle Mm -hmm. and then myself, we can kind of do it. And then if we get real busy, like Adam will jump in on some stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Oh, say how do you structure your week? So right now, like like Mondays, do you do certain things? Tuesdays do certain things? Yeah. Yeah. So we use, I don't know if you're familiar with like the core. Yeah, you heard anything with the well, car? Like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Some, yeah. Talk, talk to Adam. Many, yeah, many <laughs> I'm times. super pumped. We're going to see Rick Ruby in two weeks. Are you? I'm fired up. Where's yeah. like Texas, Florida? Dallas? Yeah, 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 yeah. I so I had Who's no going idea. Was going to you and Adam or no? Me and uh, Michelle and Nicole. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, he's in the sales. Yeah, this good down. group. Oh man, he's like I had no idea who Rick Ruby was. Mm-hmm. So Rick is actually a Rick is actually uh, opened uh, three branches with Cross Country Mortgage. 
Really? Yeah. So it's, it's stuff in Michigan, North Carolina, and there's somewhere else. Adam gave me it's up on my shelf somewhere. He gave me a book that that he co-wrote with uh, the girl there. Um, oh, I think I know who you mean. Uh, She's like a big deal in Florida, I think. Yeah. If you said her name, I'd be like, yeah. yeah, that's it. But yes, no. Keep going. So yeah, Rick. Yeah. So I kind of took Rick's mentality. Uh, he 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 helps you like figure out your your week, which. Uh, Rick is a wild man, yeah. and he's uh, what I like about Rick is like I like to do business like that. I'm not a uh, I'm not a very like social media guy, right? Like I just want to pick up the phone. I want to talk to people. I hate sending emails. I hate sending text messages. I will talk to you on the phone all day long. If I have to send an email and a text, I will struggle through it and I'll make sure it gets done right. <laughs> but I would much rather call and like get the same thing taken care of in 30 seconds, or or if it takes 15 minutes, I don't care. But I'd rather do that on the phone than. Mm-hmm. Me send an email. I hate email so much. Um, so, well, I mean, like take take like the core. They do certain like uh, days of the week where like Tuesdays yeah. they call this person. I mean, do you, do you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So right now the way I've got it set is especially because we're trying to grow in some new territories. Um, you know, my Mondays are call forty real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Now we have a list that we're working with, but honestly, um, I felt like the quality of calls we were getting out of those because it's all cold calling, man. Now it's now it's getting better because we're three weeks in. Now mm-hmm. some of it's actual follow up. But if you call somebody like half the country away and you're like, hey, we're a lender, we're licensed in your state, like nine times out of 10, they hang up the phone on you. So it's like, you just got to be so persistent and like, you know, having, doing sales, especially doing sales with farmers, which I love farmers, but like, I feel like I went through the military for the last nine years working for farmers in terms of like what they required. Um, you just get a thick skin. So it's like rainwater down the back, like yeah. phone, somebody hangs up on you. That's fine. You got another number to call and just keep going, going, going. And honestly, those people that like hang up, I have a separate section of list for them where it's like voicemails or like hangups and I'll keep calling them until they tell me to stop calling them because, because I know deep down, like I'm going to help their people. Yeah. Like we have better deals to help their people mm-hmm. and I'll follow up better than like any service that he's getting now. So commute, like I'm just working to the point to get communicated with a, a lot of, uh, that's what a lot of it is real. Like it's just real estate mortgage. It's all the same. It's like you talk to people, you talk to people, you talk to people, you're going to get no. And then what happens is over time, people that were telling you no, finally they're like, you know what? The guy I always use, I haven't heard from in three years. Yeah. This guy calls me five times every like six months and I, you know, yeah. or you know, whatever it might be four times, once a quarter or yeah. whatever. At least I hear from the guy. Eventually that always like, there's so many people that They've told me in conversations, like, this is our agent. I'm like, yeah, it's great. They're, yeah. they're an awesome agent. And then I see him again, and I see him again, and I see him again. When we talk business, we talk about whatever else. Next thing I know, it's like, hey, uh, d- what, what do you know about that house in there? I'm like, oh, I thought, well, I don't say this, but I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, I thought so and so was your agent. Like, so now all of a sudden, now I'm the guy that is more yeah. the, 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 uh, the, you know, their professional of choice or whatever that they're going with. And I've had plenty of people either. I go list the property and it's happened to me on the other side too. Like I've had, I've seen past clients that have listed with other people or bought with other people. It's, I mean, yeah. it happens, but you finally, you can knock the door down on a few yeah. deals. And a lot of the ones that, as you do this more, you're going to find the ones that are transitioning to you yeah. are better than the ones that jump ship. Because oh, for it's sure. Like they just start to, you, you kind of morph the, the relationships that you really want to build. So sometimes I see past clients that bought or sold with someone else. I'm like, yeah, fine. Like I, they just, yeah. they weren't like a, I didn't really gel great with them. It doesn't feel like a, you know, slap in the face. And then I get these other people that start to come over from, they might've bought with someone else. Like, yeah. We're awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd much rather have these people take the place of those people. So well, and the, you know, you can only do so much. They give you their worst stuff to begin with. Right. Yeah. And when they say to me like, well, I got a guy, I don't think we can get him qualified and you know, his credit's really bad or whatever. Right. 
I love that. Give me that one, right? Because then if we can if we can make it happen on that one, it just sets the tone for what we can do on the good ones going forward. Or even just your effort level. Yeah. You'd be like, I just gave this guy what I thought was going to be a joke, and he actually like followed through better than I've ever seen anybody do it. And all yeah. of a sudden, well, here's a little better one. And then a better one, all of a sudden, here's a slim dunk. Yeah. I think the mortgage industry in general has probably got a bad rap over the years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Definitely I'm, since 07, 08. Yeah. I'm excited to bring like a more of a service level type I, deal to it. The, the one... Like I always, I look at like car sales. Yeah. The, the problem, the thing with mortgages and I think with real estate too, is like a lot of the stuff is you can't really change. And I, people will say like use car salesperson. I'm like, if a realtor has the, that moniker of the used car salesperson, they, they suck as a realtor. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, and it'd be the same as mortgages. If someone's just trying to throw down your throat to get a sale, the ones that really stick out, are, like to me turning away sales and business not that i'm like saying i don't want to work with you but yeah. i might tell you if you're telling me about a house and say hey man i i know you want to do it but like all the information you're getting me like doesn't really make in my eyes like knowing this really well doesn't make sense like yeah. why don't we wait six months or why don't we wait a year or how about instead of buying that you know three hundred and fifty thousand dollar home that might have you know five beds three baths and all this great stuff that you want like Great, I make more of a commission, but why don't we just buy like a nice little starter home for like one seventy? Right. That you know you have no family, or it's like you got a, a spouse and no kids, and you have no plans to have kids, and you're planning in five years to move somewhere else anyways. I'm like, why why scrap yourself with such a big house? Yeah. So you have those conversations with people, and at the end of the day, I find that that goes a long ways. Where it's like, well, here's this guy almost like negotiating against himself, but doing it for the betterment of that client. Right. And I think you have to have that mindset because if you're going the other way of like. Like if you're driven by money, there's a few agents I've dealt with in the past and there's a few that, you know, you deal with and you're just like, man, like that person is just ready to self-implode because yeah. they're, they're just, they're, they're, if you're driven by money in a lot of these businesses, like you're not going to, it's like, you got to really look at client goal. What's the client trying to accomplish? I, or you yourself know what you're doing and know, like when I call people on the phone or if I talk to people or go in an appointment, in my eyes, whether this is true or not, but it's self-belief, I believe I'm the best person to help them. Yeah. And if they don't use me, I think they're like, I don't tell them this, but it's like, <laughs> I just think in their head, I'm like, they're absolutely crazy not to use yeah. me because I don't yeah. think anybody's better than me. And that's, I think having that, one, you got to, I mean, you do have to be good, but you have to have the self-belief because you just go yeah. and be like, I don't know if I'm going to get this. I go and I'm like, dude, I like, yeah, you want, you want to use me. Absolutely. So I think that goes a long ways too. It just projects the confidence. Like this person knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I totally agree with that. Um, and you don't mind the calls. I mean, I'm just saying, because it, it is, like you said, it, it, you get a lot of no's, you get a lot of rejection, it's repetitive. It's, oh, no way, man. No, no, no. So it's like a little game. Yeah, I've been beat up way worse than that. <laughs> uh, so how many, How like in a day, how many hours do you think you're calling people? Uh, it depends. Um, it depends on the day, right? So each day is structured a little bit different. Uh, right now, it's basically two days a week of just full-on like uh, realtor calls for half the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's... It's hard because it's like it's still mixed in with like some of the local business, right? So I may go in Monday morning and my Monday day is call 40 realtors and try to get it all done before lunchtime. But you know how it is, man. People are busy. So you may make 40 calls but only have 10 actual conversations, Mm -hmm. right? And then in the meantime, you've got somebody calling in because they're like, hey, I need an update on kind of where things are at. Or, hey, can you run, you know, I'm not going to go with this property. Can you run numbers for me on this property, right? So it kind of breaks up the system a little bit. But I would say at least try to do four hours a day of phone calls. Um. And then what's the rest of your day kind of structured like? Mainly just originating loans. Oh, okay. The interesting thing is when I started, uh, 
like I did not love the Team Crosley like Facebook page. It was like mainly just like corporate like kickouts of like yeah. what their ads were, which I think some of them are very informative and good, but like we weren't building a connection there. Yeah, boring. Yeah, like nobody knew who we were, like nobody knew what we were doing. So before I got on to the um, finished like all my training and like coming on board, which I did like an immense amount of training, uh, which is good. You need to right like you're financing homes. Um, I had a little bit more time to do some like social media stuff, mainly just like Facebook. So um, I set up like a little team in house there. So we're kind of doing some some small scale marketing stuff. Um, we try to do a realtor spotlight once a month, uh, showcase a local realtor, um, trying to kick out a little bit more of like, hey, these are reviews of our business right like i enjoyed working with adam or nicole or michelle or katie or roxanne right like i I enjoyed that process um just to get our name out there a little bit and take some more pictures and kind of kick things out i think when when, because i've talked to adam about this in the past like adam has done such a good job building out his business through relationships yeah if and and a lot of bankers the one thing i'll give bankers and lenders especially in our community they're super out and about and active when it comes to oh, networking, yeah. when it comes to events, when it comes like you very rarely see bankers just never come out. Like it's like bankers, I think are on the front lines of a lot. I mean, realtors, yes, but I would, if I go to a, um, a chamber of event or an after hours, there's so many bankers there, Yeah, but they're, I mean, but it's good. I mean, they're out and about They're like, yeah. they're doing what they need to do. And of course there's always, you know, I look at like a, you go to after hours like i'm not trying to meet the hundred people that are there like there's other realtors i don't care who they're talking to because like my thing is i focus on myself i'm like yeah. i'm gonna talk to a couple people i'm gonna talk to a bunch of people that i already know i'm gonna try to make one or one or two connections uh if it turns into something great if not i get to meet someone and right i don't go in with the idea of like i gotta meet seven eight people today i just go in i'm like i don't know i'm gonna see some people that i know i'm gonna see people i didn't expect to see there i'm just gonna yeah. I might not even talk to anybody new. I might just go and reestablish or, or go deeper on relationships I already have. Right. But Adam has done, in my eyes, probably the best job at just really going after knowing knowing kind of where his business comes from, knowing who is important to him, and then doubling down on those people and going yeah. deep on those people. But then also knowing, because I was saying before, and I've had this conversation with him, I don't, I don't find as many people are coming to us saying, I haven't talked to a lender. Yeah. And, you know, and when that happens, it's like that happened all the time. Now it's like, okay, so a lot of people already know I have to talk to a lender. So they might have already gone to you, contacted yeah. us, and said, hey, we've already talked to this cross country mortgage. Like, yeah. okay, awesome. That's great. Uh, we're, we're not reciprocating it as much because we don't have the opportunity. Right. But from there, that's when you got to start, like, like you said, the social media thing is knowing you have a, like a fun group of people and a good yeah. group of people yeah. that are out and about and people know them. And, you know, a lot of them have been bankers at other places. Yeah. So you look at that and it's like, how do you showcase the personality of the team? How do you showcase the culture of the team? Right. And it's not, Hey, you know, if you, uh, you know, here's a a lender mortgage tip that you're like, I could have showed that here. I could put that in Arkansas and it wouldn't have made a difference, (laughs) but you, they can't replicate a, a Nicole or a Michelle or a Katie in Arkansas. No, no, no. So it's like, let's showcase the people. Let's really get the personalities. Like I think, if you guys focus on that, knowing that you guys, I think, do a great job with the people that are there, it's just doubling down on that, getting your, you know, getting your personalities out. Because again, people do business with who they know, like, and trust. So if they see you on social media, that is knowing you. Yeah. And they might like you because they might like your style of social media. I've had plenty of people come to me for based based on social media, but then I do a lot of networking. The networking to me is the no factor, or the the sorry, the no like and trust. So it's the like factor. 
because they might know me from social media, but they want to meet me face to face, and then I can talk to them. Like you know, what? I like that guy. And eventually, yeah. you get to that point where they now they become you become that like resource for them in that field. Right, right. So it's kind of like that. It, it's a progression, but you know, as you've been in the business longer, it happens quicker and usually at a greater scale, just because you you know you've built up that foundation level where the first couple of years it's like. I mean, you go. You're going into a very solid, established team. So yeah. it's like you know, you have your gro- your growing pains. But you have great mentors on the team. Oh, for sure. But if you look at someone starting out, a lot of these businesses, it's like eh, the first couple of years are gonna be a little rough because you're just you're not getting traction. You're basically yeah. trying to claw at like ice, basically, and you're sliding down the hill. And then eventually, you're like, okay, man, now I'm like running because I. I mean, the average the average Jello is doing like between three and four deals a month, mm-hmm. right? The national average. Um, Adams. Adam's doing much better than that without getting into official numbers, but I'm basically able to do two years worth of training in just a few months. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is like been so key. And that's honestly the only, I probably, I would have never been like, uh, as in January when I talked to Adam, right. I wouldn't have been like, yeah, I'm going in the mortgage business regardless. And I don't care whose team I'm on. It was more like, I'm not going in the mortgage business unless I'm on my, I'm on Adam's team, right? Because yeah. I knew that he had that system there. I'd been through that process a couple of times, and I knew that you know I basically spent all of April and May in Michelle and Nicole's office, and it would just like one on one like mentoring, like meeting with clients, and then like slow steps up to make sure you know we didn't want to sacrifice any customer service while training a new person, mm-hmm. but also want to make sure you know I got the education level that I need in order to succeed. I, I mean, any position you go in, it is not just. I mean, mortgages, real estate or business, it's like, you got to find that mentor. It's yeah. the quickest way to success. And like, as you grow, then your mentor might become a coach. You might, you might yeah. pay for coaching. You might pay for, or you might go after people in other fields. Like that's something I've, I'm a, like, I always continually try to learn and things evolve. Like right now, my, you know, I have like, you know, a coach now basically for trying to learn how to be a, like a leader in systems and like organizational stuff because yeah. it's like, you know, and I don't want to, you know, sound, sound cocky, but like, the real estate stuff is like autopilot. Like I really know how to do that because yeah. I've, I've spent a decade doing it. It's like I, I know how to help people with homes and, and real like selling. Like that doesn't change too much. There's a little a few things that change, but not nothing. It's more of like trends, like in marketing or trends in buyer behavior, or trends yeah. in, in like the market. But then it's like learning how to you know deal with multiple employees, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with resolution, how to deal with all these things that I never had to do as just an agent. Yeah. And I'm not good at it. Like yeah. to me, it's like, okay. And I, I find that I spend more time in the day working on that stuff versus like basic real estate. So right. I tell a lot of people, I'm like, listen, we have a system where I know you can make X, which is a really good salary and work under 40 hours a week. Cause yeah. I, my actual real estate work in a week is far less than it's ever been yeah. partly because I've started to leverage myself and like, I don't have to put in the 60 hours a week. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean the 60 hours a week is still there, but now it's spread amongst people and it's like, okay, now I can breathe a little bit. And like I said, as you yeah. know, you get a family and stuff, it's things become time becomes more of a suck, but then your priorities change too. Right. You know, and it's like, I don't want to be here till eight, nine o'clock at night or 11 o'clock doing work, which I did for years just because yeah. I was trying to get ahead. And, and now it's a, uh, you know, I love getting in early, but man, when it's like, five o'clock i know i got enough stuff to do at home that you know i'd, I'd like i'd love to get there between 7 30 and 7 45 in the morning yeah what time do you normally get to the office 7 30 7 45 that's still pretty early yeah the for most- bank for bank people that's really early for farm people like you're way late man yeah <laughs> so, yeah i was gonna say the sun's like yeah the sun's like pretty high <laughs> in the horizon at that point the, uh well um so like what okay so you get there about 7 30 when do you typically stay till five o'clock unless we have something run over you know if i'm on the phone with somebody and i told them i was going to get it done i stay till it's done 
but honestly for the most part it's about five o'clock and then uh with like realtor calls if somebody calls like we've all got cell phones right you can call me at home like i don't care you just don't have that important stuff going on like sure i may be out in like a pasture like making sure animals are okay but like it doesn't mean i can't talk on the phone for 10 minutes and answer your questions do you are you good at do you find it's overwhelming sometimes with the, just like work coming home or no i honestly feel like it's less overwhelming than what it was in the grain business okay so you did have some of that yeah i was the like in the grain business i was my own boss right i had my own territory from north bangor over to j peak like i covered that area so wow. north bangor new york over to like basically j peak um and then you know it's it was a wider than it was taller territory because we have canada right here right and the adirondacks so uh i kind of dropped off down in peru and then yeah it's farms up to champlain so it was basically like a big old rectangle that i was covering um i had to manage myself i had to manage my own time i had a sales goal that i had to hit and uh i had a certain level of service i had to bring to our customers at that time so i was kind of running my own business within that company and uh I'm not like new to being on call, right? Or getting people call all the time. And like, honestly, dude, with farmers, which is fine. Um, they're calling you if something's like, if you sent them a document to update feed charts and they're feeding at three 30 in the morning and they need something changed or something's incorrect on the document you sent them, they're calling you at three 30 in the morning. Nobody's calling you at three 30 in the morning to talk about interest rates. Yeah. So that part's like, that's where I kind of feel like it's maybe a little bit less, uh, it's interesting to hear the team dynamic coming from that world to this world where like, you know, some of it's like, oh man, it's like the phone rang like 15 times this weekend. And I'm like, oh man, the phone only rang like 15 times this weekend. You know? So I think it's just the way you kind of look at it and it's, and it's what the, what the people need and try to figure out how to manage around it. But that's sort of all I've ever known. So mm-hmm. it, it, that part doesn't bother me too much. Um, I've, I mean, I've spent a decade with being like on call, like evenings and weekends and I really try a lot of the time now, like if I didn't have a family, I wouldn't care. Like yeah. you said, I'm just like doing stuff. I can pick up a phone anytime. But now I really try to be, I try to separate my time where it's like, if I do have stuff on weekends, it's like typically when the kids are napping. Yeah. So the kids go down for about two hours and like two hours, I like as soon as they go down, like usually it's like I haven't ate lunch yet. So it's like, nope, I'll get two hours on the thing and then I'll eat. Like, you know, yeah. so it's like you start making, you know. You, you prep and do a lot of stuff. Um, and a lot of it, like, I like um, the idea of you, you know, we set our own hours. I mean, like, last night, I wasn't sleeping much. Like, I didn't have really good sleep. Like, I almost got up at 3 in the morning just started working and just yeah. said, you know what? I can't get any sleep. Might as well wake up. And I have three hours before I kind of had, like, stuff planned to wake up. So, I yeah. got, and I kind of looked at it as, if I, instead of just laying in bed and not sleeping, I might as well be productive. Right, and right. And... The benefit is you could, you could really, I could really gain, I probably like hypothetically knowing my day today probably could have got 50% of my like outreach calls instead of calling someone. If I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you know what? I'll just send them an email this time instead of a call. Yeah. And then maybe I scheduled the email to go out at 8am. They won't know the difference. Yeah. yeah but I'm yeah, counting yeah. these out at three in the morning. Um, that's funny, man. I've had but, such a hard time with Justin cause I'm so used to, uh, like I used to jump in the truck at six 30 and start my day at pooling and I would just start calling people like customers. Yeah. You know, they're up. Yeah. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. So it's like so hard to be like, All what right, time do you wait, wait till about nine or eight thirty? Yeah. I mean, technically like just because of like, you know, like the no call list and all that stuff, right? Like yeah. respecting people's hours. It's nine. You got to wait till nine. Um, I remember it's funny. I, I, I don't do this anymore, but I remember when I first got in the business, eight o'clock, I'd call people. Yeah. Eight o'clock. And it was like, and as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know what? Because when I'm when you're a kid, or when I'm kid, kid, when I was younger, they said like, okay, these are the to- the best times to call people. Yeah. At home or before work. Oh, right. Lunch break. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you have your basic like 
Tuesday, Thursday, four to six. I'm like, well, one, I hate calling people at night because if they're at dinner, I like you hated that oh, as a kid. Yeah. And like, I'm not disrupting dinner. And I always take the approach. Again, I'm not a cutthroat uh, salesperson. The way I always look at it was if they really wanted to use me or our service or whatever, they would call me back if they're serious. Like I, yeah. I kind of look at, and maybe I'm wrong. Like it, for some people could I have converted more people if I was very like, Hey, I'm calling you all up to seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. Screw your dinner. I don't care. I'm calling you. I always look at them like, how would I want to be? I would not want someone calling me. And so, and now with, with cell phones and stuff, you don't ruin really anybody's day. Cause yeah. back in the day, remember the house phone would ring. Oh yeah. And like yeah, someone yeah. would get up and get it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. why just leave it? Let it ring. It's a voicemail. Like, yeah, right. You don't need to pick it up to <laughs> pretend to say, don't, don't, don't want to talk to you. But, um, I think just having like, I, I try to set parameters for myself. I try to set boundaries. I really try like, I'm not I'm definitely not perfect. When I go home, I, I really try to not deal with work unless it's like a very, you know, I would say by about seven o'clock, eight o'clock, I'm not really responding. to. Oh anything. yeah. So if it's like a text or a call on something, I might read it and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like I might read it and I'll screenshot it and send it to myself in an email. Oh yeah. 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 And then the next day I'll just show up in the morning. I'll see it and I'll just update it. And I just say, no, Hey, you know, nine, 10 o'clock this morning, just respond to them. And it's yeah. 90, nine percent of the crap that you deal with especially in our business for most people calling me it's typically like banking or attorney stuff especially if it's closing yeah yeah. you know they're not working until nine tomorrow so then i get some people with their schedules but i'm like they can deal with this tomorrow like yes and a lot of it's not to be rude to the client it's just i have to i have to set my parameters to myself otherwise i'm just constantly in reactive mode i don't want to oh yeah especially when you have a family it's like that's there's nothing worse than your kids wanting to play and you're sitting there on your phone checking emails and calling and texting and i'm like all right, look at it quick. Boom, boom, boom. Put it down. Just try to enjoy the family. And then, you know, if they're out playing, you might check it fast. But I'm not sitting there. I try, I try not to really spend much time yeah. on evenings. Weekends, same thing. Weekends, I'm like... For sure, man. I love like, my weekends. Yes. I'm generally working, doing more physical work on the weekends than I do all week. Just trying to get caught up. But uh, the hardest thing to manage is honestly, like, if we're up in line, you know, line Mountain area doing hay, there's no phone service. So it's like, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, but it also sucks, too, because, like, unless I set that, that's the great thing about having the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I could say to Michelle, like, hey, do you mind covering me this weekend? Uh, just help me out. Like, I'm going to be up there doing hey, and then if she's got something, she's going to maybe her son or daughter's, like, sporting event, be like, hey, I'll take, I'll take your weekend back over. Like, that's yeah. the really great thing about having a team. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you're by yourself down there because uh, there's no way, I like, honestly, I could even take those calls. And I don't want to give people the message, like, yes, I'm here for you, like, all the time. I think that's a good, like a good thing. Like, Hey, if you know, like if you need to call me, you can call me and then not be there to answer the phone. Yeah. I, I mean, the other thing, if I get to like, well, one, the team thing, absolutely. Cause there's a lot of agents that are on their own or one or two people. I'm like, so when you go on vacation, what happens? You just, your business just shuts down because you're the only person or you don't go on vacation or you don't enjoy like a time off. My thing is I've always, wanted like hey if you're going on vacation like you might have people contact you but just forward it to us and we'll take care of it and just say hey listen you know so and so's out this week what home do you want to see what you know yeah. and you kind of you spread the or you, you extend the hand to somebody else um i just think that that's awesome and then the other thing too is people calling i'll put my phone my phone i would say 80 percent of the day like in a 24-hour time period um 80, 90% of the time is on do not disturb. Yeah. So my, like if you call me, it may not even, it won't even alert me that you called. 
And it's not a disrespectful thing to the client. It's just my phone rings all the time throughout the day. I get texts all the time throughout the day. So my thing is I just don't want it going off because it distracts me. Oh, for sure. So if I can put it down right now, best thing about podcasts, two hours, I will not check that phone. Yeah. Sitting on my desk. I'll end up going, I'll check after the the podcast. There'll be a few text messages, a couple calls, a few emails. I look at them really quick. Is there anything that's like a fire that I say fire, but like time sensitive before I leave? Can I just finish it quick? Yeah. If not, I'm out. Like, right. And then a lot of that stuff you just kind of, I'll maybe do tonight. I'll do first thing in the morning and it's not depending on my day. So the do not disturb thing to me is huge because it just allows me not to be distracted. Yeah. And some people get pissed because they're like, well, you never pick up your phone. I'm like, well, I always call you back. And I said, I know it's not ideal, but most people, at least I find very rarely is everything super, um, you know, uh, urgent. And the other thing too is like, you can just text me and like, yeah. I get it way quicker. Yeah, Cause yeah. most of the time I just screenshot it and send it to Nick and she helps me out with it. So it's like, I don't even right. have to, that's way quicker than you calling me and leaving a voicemail that I'm just going to forward to her anyways. And be like, I don't know, listen to it. Right. Right. It's important. Yeah, I'll help do me it. Out but like, right. yeah, just I'm with somebody whatever. <laughs> so, but it's just trying to find those parameters. So you're not like a slave to your phone or a slave to other people. Because uh, when I talked before, originally before about how you structure your day, I try not to schedule anything in the morning. Like yeah. with people, I try my, my, I try to have reactive work. We call, uh, sorry, proactive work in the morning and reactive work in the afternoon. Okay. And that's reactive is responding to texts and emails yeah. and, and, and voicemails. If I show up at the beginning of the day, you have your 40 realtor list. Yeah. What happens if you start responding to emails then like, Oh shoot, there's like two calls. Okay. Now I'm responding to this one call came in. Now yeah. I only did 10 and it's noon and I didn't call 30 people. Yeah. But if you just got in there like, listen, I can rip through 40 calls in about an, two hours you're done. All of a sudden yeah. it's like 11 o'clock and like, Oh, now I can just respond to stuff and not feel overwhelmed. We've kind of built the, I feel like I say we, I haven't been there long enough to be building too much stuff over there. But, uh, especially with like, we've got some really good people in, in the front of the building with between, you know, Carrie and Dana and it, I'm not allowed to like wait till noon. If somebody calls, right. Like Carrie, will, if I shut my door, Carrie will kick that thing in and be like, Hey, you got a phone call. Like you got to take this, right. Like somebody's, you know, waiting to put an offer in, especially in yeah. today's market. Yeah. Right. Uh, we make it work, man. I just feel like it. Uh, you got to be a little bit of uh, willing to kind of adapt and be innovative and like mm-hmm. f- just f- figure the day out. And like at the end of the day, you know, I I always sold when I get in in the morning. The first thing I do is I you know, like I sit down. If there's any emails from the night, like I try to go through them, figure all that stuff out. And then if I didn't get anything done from the day before, I drag it over in my. I'm like a big. I was never an Outlook calendar guy. Like Adam got me on that. I love Outlook calendar now. Like it just helps me stay so organized. And so I'll drag stuff over from the next day. Like if I had three or four calls I had to make and they, they were voicemails, then I'll drag them over the next day and, you know, figure it out from there. But, um, and they'll take precedence. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. depending on what it is. Right. Uh, if it's a cold call to like a realtor that I didn't get to, and then I've got somebody that's got to get an offer put in, yeah. obviously I do the offer first and yep. we'll do the, we'll fit the cold call around it. I'll drag it around all day long to like, but it'll get done before five. Um, so you know, I'll go through and I'll make my to-do list and try to get my things figured out for the day. But I'll have that to-do list, man, and that stays, like, right next to me the whole day. And, and I try to just, like, pick off stuff off that all day long to make sure that stuff gets done. How many items are on that to-do list? It depends on the day. You know, if we – it's very uh, it's very cyclical, I guess, like, in terms of um, – we may be, like, a little bit, like, slow on leads because it's the 4th of July, right? Mm-hmm. And then – a week later we may have like so we may go from like one appointment a day to like three appointments a day 
And out of those three appointments a day, uh, we may have 10 contracts come in that week. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you got 10 disclosures to do. So your to-do list may go from like, Hey, I got to call three realtors to like, Hey, I got like eight hours of just disclosures to do today. And, uh, we're, we've got again with the team, like the definitely people are helping out with that. Like, I don't feel like totally overburdened with that. I'm allowed to, I'm able to do what I need to do in order to help grow the business versus like some of that other stuff where it would, would take my time. And honestly, I'm probably not the best person for it anyways, Mm -hmm. you know, to sit down and crunch all the numbers and like figure out all like the tax prorations and stuff like that. I can do it. I'll do it. But, uh, is it the best use of my time? Right. Um, so are, are you pretty established on what the best use of your time is? Yeah. I mean, being in sales, and how good are you at following that? Oh, uh, 80, 80%. Okay. Right. I don't know. I'm sorry to be on it. Cause I'm kind yeah. of, yeah, I don't do a good job of it either. No, I think the best use of my time is dialing that phone. Mm-hmm. Right. And like trying to grow the business. And, uh, I love, I don't mind cold calling at all, especially people pick up you get to figure out new things about new people. And I them, you know, I, I get like a nerd out about my CRM and like adding new realtors to it and like getting all that information I need and like trying to help grow the business or add new clients to it. Um, my best use of time is not like doing, um, disclosures, but like that stuff has to be done. Mm-hmm. I, like one of the things I look at, I always try. So when I, Nick came on for us, I, I uh, had a couple, couple broker friends told me this and they said, listen, write down everything you do in a, in a day or a week or whatever. So I mean, down, down to the smallest task. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Smallest task. Like yes. taking out the trash can. I used to like, do that in like a little composition notebook. Okay. Yes. Every minute of the day, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So you write down all your tasks, like start to finish, and then you go through and you put green, red, or yellow. Yeah. Green means you should be doing that, and or you, I should say, you should be doing that. Yeah. Um, Yellow typically means you like doing it, but maybe you shouldn't be doing it, but it's something that you are good at or like to do. And then red means you should punt it. Yeah. So when Nick came on, this was March of 2020. Right before the pandemic, um, it was when I was interviewing. We didn't hire until we came back, but like all that stuff, I basically had down. I'm like, okay, anybody hire or uh, applying for the position, this is your job description. Yeah, it's me, extension of me, and it's all the stuff I shouldn't be doing. Yeah, because you don't have to be in real estate for ten years to do the stuff I'm giving you. Right. And I looked at what is where's my skill set that I built up over the last handful or the decade. So then, from there. Now I have a brand new one. I actually redid it about a year later. I think it was April of 2021. I wrote it all out and a lot of it I went and deleted it because I'm like, you know what? I don't do that anymore. Like yeah. Nick completely does it for me. So out, 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 out. And then I started adding stuff back in. So now my list, which was about 50 items with some bullet points in there. So it was a pretty yeah. extensive. It's probably like six pages or so of just stuff I did every day. I don't say every day, but like stuff I did in a week or in a month. And then I broke it down to... It's about three pages, so about half the amount, and it's it's better use of my time, which yeah. means it affects more than just like like me showing a property is good, but there's a lot of agents that can do that, but they can't do another skill set that I that affects the company on a larger scale. Yeah, I need to like slowly pull back on certain things, and then reallocate to that because I know that at the end of the day is a better use of my time. It has a bigger, greater, or greater, wider impact. Yeah, but it's tough because, like, you look at, like you said, how how good are you at following? It's hard, man. Yeah, because like, same sometimes thing as, the fires just get too hot. You gotta put them out. Well, I try to have a to do list that's no more than five items. Yeah, and I try when I say five items, it's like things I want to accomplish. But then I gotta look realistic, like paying a 
say you got to pay something like a bill or something. Right. Like I might put that on my to-do list, but is that like a, but then it gets to the point, like it's gotta be done, but is that more of just like checking the box yeah. or I have some major things. I'm like, you know what? I, that was just something I haven't done in the last three days. And I needed to get it. And now it's done. You just feel like, okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah, I got yeah. one thing yeah. off my shoulder. So I try to have like five of those a day. Yeah. Knowing if I really get to like three to four of them, like you might have one carry over. Yeah. Then yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Cause things came up or whatever. Yeah. Like I was telling you before we started, I was like, I feel like right now I have most of my crap done. And I looked at my schedule tomorrow and I looked at my to-do list. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm getting back to like where I need to be yeah. for tomorrow where, I mean, there's still, your to-do list is never ending, but like the, the major stuff I wanted to do this week, I like feel good that I'm probably going to accomplish them. And I'm like, great. Because some of those are like, once they're done, they're done. Yeah. You don't have to re- it's not like they got a reoccurring task. Yeah. So it's like, okay, can I get ahead? Can I do that? Then can I then put that on the shelf and then move on to something different? Slowly kind of tearing down that massive wall of the to-do um, now do you put when you do like a to-do list is there some small stuff on there or is it mostly oh absolutely man okay I feel like if uh, so you're more of like can I check 30 things off today and feel better no or? but like I have it like I've got like you know I'm a, I'm a legal notepad guy for my to-do list mm-hmm. and then boom just chuck that thing I feel so good and chuck that thing in the trash yeah. when it's all done but like I've got I'll just draw a line down the center of it and it's like this is stuff I gotta get done for cross-country mortgage today but then I also have like uh, pay like if our you know our vet bill comes in right for the month like pay you know pay the vet bill or like whatever we got to do I know if I don't get that done I'm gonna take more heat from Victoria when I get home so like I always make sure to like give myself a little bit of time whether it's around lunchtime or like first thing in the morning yeah, like get that stuff, stuff done and yeah just trying to knock that stuff out real quick because it's part of life like that stuff has to get done too yeah and like I, that's what I was saying like a lot of times you have like bills and like the one thing I hate is like you get home and you get something in the mail and it's like. Something I just got to call. I got to <laughs> call a company or got to do something. I'm like, yeah. my wife's very good about doing it, but there's sometimes it falls on me and I'm like, oh, yeah. now it's like that becomes a to do tomorrow. And it has to, like, I have to kind of get it done because it might affect insurance or financing or banking. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't want to call the bank. Just like, oh, you guys you, just figure it out for me. Like, I'm like I, in the process of, I'm finally like through it, but like, you know, Ryan Esposito. Uh, uh, not, not well, but I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. I just bought a truck from him, and it's just like there's extra stuff to do, right? Like in the day, you yeah. know. And it's like, all right, I get the registration stuff taken care of, and mm-hmm. gotta get the stuff over to the bank, and like just, just going to the DMV. Like, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, he went. I didn't have to go to the DMV. Oh, but nice. Like, yeah. yeah, no, he's he's a great dude. Um, does he do the farming stuff for farming? No, or? he's like doing just like truck stuff, and he does some really cool stuff with trucks too. Is, is this? I mean, talking about just like a pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, like yep. decals or different kind of like. Oh, uh, like just putting like better, you know. He he's got like I want to like butcher even explaining it right because I do not like I'm not a motor guy, but uh, you know, in terms of like customizing trucks, like lifting them up a little bit, maybe putting some better tires on them, like putting better performance parts on them to either like increase like, fuel economy or increase power on those diesel trucks. So mm-hmm. he's doing a bunch of that work, which is like pretty tough stuff to do, but he's a sharp dude. Like he's really got it together. So and it feels good when you get the, the truck back and it's just like thank you. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a certain point where it's like I, I tried, I tried just to align myself with a lot of people that I know are good at what they do, and I just say, you know what, you're now the guy that's going to do. This. I'll pay you, but you're going to do this for yeah. me. I'm just taking that task off my list. I do all the like oil changes and like brake jobs and like everything once it hits a certain point. But like now, I now I'm just like just like. I don't, I doubt Ryan, I'll be, I won't send it to Ryan to do an oil change unless he wants the, the business. I'll give him the business. Right. But I don't know if he wants like t- the time to do that little stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm at the point now where like vehicles, like, boom, you take it on the farm stuff. I do it all. 
Like we do really? all the repairs, we do all the equipment repairs. You can't afford to like send it out to get it repaired anymore. But you've been doing it since you were a kid, right? Yeah, we do all the oil changes. We if we got to do like um, like our our mower is an older mower, so it requires a lot of tender love and care. So we're always working on that thing, um, spreader, like whatever it is, right? We pretty much do all the do all the work in house. Um, do you f- like when you do the farm stuff? Where does the farm stuff? Like, how do you break on the day of, like, the farm and then mortgage? Oh. Is it, like, some days where you don't really have to do much on the farm? Yeah, for sure. Like, this time of year, uh, my main t- uh, time involvement is, like, making sure we get our hay crop produced. Like, making sure we get that hay cut and dried and, like, you know, put a good quality food product away for our cattle for the winter to, you know, sustain a healthy, you know, body. Um, and that, what's, what's that maybe take weekly for you to do? Oh, it all depends. Like, um, on a hundred acres, I would say if you were to take it all and accumulate it, it's like three weeks. Okay. I mean, we're like slower getting stuff done because of the input cost. But of you might equipment. have three months to do that three weeks of work. Yeah. But it's all lines up with what we need, like a three to four day stretch from mother nature of mm-hmm. pure sunshine. So if it's like, you know, like today or ain't a little bit today, you can't make hay today. Like even this week, it looks like a crappy week to make hay. Um, cause again, we're doing mostly dry hay. So we need three days as we get towards fall. We do, it's called baleage. So we make a bale of hay. It's still got some moisture in it and we wrap it in a white plastic. Um, that can be done in like two days as long as it's dry enough. Hmm. So I would say in terms of farm stuff, like, so like today, like perfect example, get up, check the cows, like make sure everybody's healthy, make sure our new calves are good. Like you kind of just like, what's that time-wise take? Oh, it's not long. Half hour? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Half hour. If that, um, you, you, once you're around them enough, you kind of just like, again, I was in the, I went to school for it. I grew up around it. Mm-hmm. Like I did the business for eight years. We've had the farm for a while now. Like you kind of just know what to look for. Like, so when I look at the herd of cows for one, the first thing I do is look for anybody that's like off by themselves. Yeah. Like, Cause that's like a telltale sign. That mean they're sick. Yeah, or, like, something's off, or maybe they're just, like, a weirdo, right? Yeah. Like, they all have their own personalities, which is wicked funny, mm-hmm. but, like, so they may just be, like, a loner, but you can't, you'll you know that animal over time, right? You'll be like, all right, I'm not worried about her, because she's always by herself. Uh, especially during cabin season, if somebody's off by herself, that's like a, hey, you better put a closer set of eyes on her, see what's going on. Um, but, like, you know, you're checking, basically, make sure, like, from, I look head down, right? And we got to check every part of them. And it's just a quick visual, like, make sure everybody's good. And make sure nobody's got, like, a broken foot or, like, a foot rod or, like, anything major going on or cut or, like, hurt or limping. Uh, make sure the calves don't have, like, an umbilical infection, especially this time of year with this many new calves. So, just kind of keeping a good eye on everybody and then uh, making sure nobody's, like, just generally sick, droopy ears, anything like that. So, so during the, uh, so you've obviously, when the calves are giving birth, you're right there. Oh, it depends, man. Those things are uh, uh, beef cattle or a whole other breed compared to dairy cows. So they'll just like ha- they'll have it by themselves next thing you know, oh, they show yeah. up and there's three f- or how many calves? Get- That's the hardest thing. Um, uh, being in the mortgage business now, which I'm cool with. Like we set it up. We I knew what I was getting into when I came on. I can't like shoot with pulling grain. Like I made my own schedule. So if, during calving season, which is generally about a month for us. Um, I was able to like pop in at like noon and make sure nobody was having a calf. I can't do that anymore. Um, you know, Nathan, Victoria's yeah. brother. Yeah. So Nate comes home for lunch every day at noon. He lives across the road. So he, he's like a great dude. He'll just help me out whenever I need it. Like I've got enough people around like family that can just like check on things and make sure nobody's okay. Can the cow have the, be- have the calf by themselves? Oh, for sure. So you don't need to be there and like helping. No, you need it. to be there to make sure she can have it by herself. Gotcha. So, like, generally the biggest issue is, like, a limb is not in the position it should be in. You know, you think about them, they should come out like, uh, like you're going face first down a water slide with your arms out in front of you. That's the way a calf should kind of come out. Okay. So, unless you see, like, two feet and a nose, you're like, you're like, oh, crap. 
you know, we need to get this figured out. So, so, so I guess the calf, I would say breach, but it can come in like it could come out. It can out. absolutely be breached. It can be. Right? Okay. have a backwards calf or, you know, if it's a twins and you never really know. So we do ultrasound all our cows in the fall. Um, wow. So we'll know. Just to see if they are pregnant. You see if they're pregnant, see if they're having twins. Is a twin, twins is like the max they can have? No, I mean, there's been like some stuff where I think, I don't know, of living calves. I think it's maybe been like four or something like that. That's not very common. That's though. not at your farm. That's like just some in general, animal. right? Like yeah. a cow. So I think, mo- we also have one. It's kind of like humans. 99% of the time they're, ha- uh, I shouldn't even say that. About 90% of the time they're having one calf. And then probably 9% of the time they're having twins. And then 1% of the time you get some weird stuff going on. So it's kind of like humans. Yeah. Of, maybe yeah, a, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's a very good comparison. Um, how big is when the calf is born? How big is it? Oh, it depends on the mother and the and the father. Uh, but generally I between mean like, sixty and like this big or? I've had some that are like one hundred and twenty pounds. Jesus. I mean, we've had others that are sixty. We try to like we so we're very involved in like the genetic makeup of what we want that next generation of animal to be. And that's so, just which, who you breed with? Yeah, so we uh, we use artificial insemination on just our heifers, um, but we're making sure we're picking traits that, like, if I have a heifer, which is a cow that's never had a calf, and, you know, I don't like the look of her, like, feet and legs. Like, the, the type of it's not good enough, and I'll select a bull for good feet and legs, or I'll select a bull with a small calving weight because I don't want her to have too big a calf. How, how does that process work? Um, so we get a catalog and we, we shot, we look, I just look for the best genetics, right? The best affordable genetics, I should say, because genetics on, uh, believe it or not, man, it's crazy, but you can have a $7, you know, straw semen, right. To inject into a cow, or you can have like a, it goes all the way up to like a hundred grand. I mean, it's wow. big money. Is like show. Uh, yeah. Cow. Like the high end genetics, like it's big money. So do you have cows that just naturally breed on, on the ground? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we, uh, I do not like keeping a bull around, you know, it concerns me, especially having a two year old yeah. who's like very investigative into the world right now. Um, so we rent a bull only for calving season. The bull will be here in about another month and then he'll leave hopefully like right around the end of September. Does he stay in his own pen? No, they're out in pasture right now. I won't keep a bull in the barn. That's way too dangerous. Okay. So he's always just out and about, but he's within yeah. the fence line of something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and when he's out, in the field, is he typically solo, or do you just put him on with all the females? Oh no, he's with all the females. Anything I want bred, and I need to. Gotcha. So I, I separate, separate the younger females. Some I don't want bred too little, and then how many females would he impregnate during that? Like during well, the bull last year, um, bred nine. This oh. year he's got a. I mean, a bull can honestly do up to like. It depends on the bull and his like his actual physical health, but yeah. he could do up to like each one bull could be responsible for up to fifty cows. Wow. Yeah. So some of the major farms might have like five or six bulls out. Honestly, nobody does bulls right now. Like dairy farms, guys don't do bulls anymore. It's way too dangerous. The genetics are too good now. So they just do the artificial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which, by the way, does not hurt a cow at all. Like, it's totally fine. Well, it's just like an injection. I'm assuming they just... Oh, uh, no. It's like um, they they do rectal, like... But, I mean, they have to, I say inject it, but they have to, like, obviously insert it inside of yeah. the cow. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like just, yeah, it's just a process of, you know... I guess not a non-natural way. Of yeah, 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 yeah. No, no pain to the animal though. I know some people get confused with that sometimes. Yeah, I, well, I look at it like humans do that too. Like, oh, for sure. They're coming right. out like with now is like you can go for like when you. I mean, like obviously you have like sperm donors and stuff, yeah. but like you can have people that are just like genetically mixing like genes to say like I want my kid that blue eyes. Like, you, like you can like even like from the animal perspective, like you can pick if you want a bull or you want a heifer calf depending on the semen that you buy. It's the same thing with humans. It's just a lot more money with humans. Well it's like well you think of humans like you look at parents like I have green eyes, Jane has brown. Like 
based on like the eye, whatever it is, like what causes to have blue eyes. Like Gina loves blue eyes. But yeah. Like you're not getting blue eyes with the brown. Like we've already like green eyes and brown eyes. I think like is zero percent chance you're gonna have a blue eyed kid. Yeah. They do when they're babies, but yeah. their eyes change. So like our son. Our oldest has really, really green eyes. My daughter yeah. has really, really brown eyes, and our son has blue eyes yeah. for probably six more months, and then he'll probably green up like like crew. Absolutely. So you kind of look at, you know, I just I, it's it's wild, but it's you know it's kind of I guess the future where people I, I think it takes away the fun of having a kid because then you just yeah. kind of want to see like I don't know whatever you're gonna have you guys yeah. like oh sorry kid you got I brown knew it, eyes. like when we had Finley I just wanted to know that the, the sex was like did you I find out. Know. Oh, for sure. Really? Okay. Yeah, I had to, man. I'm just a planner, and like Victoria's a major planner, and we were we were in the process of like when we bought our house, we did a renovation loan, so we like mm-hmm. gutted that sketchy old thing right down to the studs, and like completely redid it. Like Stan Roberts and Matt Roberts, like did our is house. it finished now? Oh yeah, it's like not even the same house it was. Did, did you change a lot of the structure in it? Um, Layout? inside, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we knocked out some walls. The tough thing was, like, it's actually a brick house, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, it's just hidden with, like, a metal vinyl. Uh, so you can't, like, move too many walls because it gets expensive and it's Because I remember safe, the right? kitchen. I kind of remember the kitchen. Kitchen's, like, the same floor print. The living room is actually, like, we made, like, a master suite in part of the living room. Because the living room was, like, huge in that house. Okay. So we, like, took out part of, like, a... We took out a closet, like, a living room. So they had a closet in the living room. Yeah. So, I like, took that all out. Like, there's, like, a master suite and stuff in the off the bedroom now. So huh. just kind of stole some space to make it work. Um. Now, how many acres do you have there again? Oh, there's 30 acres there. And then how much in Lion Mountain? Uh, there's 60 acres in Lion Mountain. Okay. Yeah. And then we rent uh, about another 10 acres right around the farm there. So the cows stay where? Right at your property? The, the cows all Yeah. Lion Mountain is just hay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you get the hay there, is that stuff that you own? Do you rent? Do you lease? I rent all that land. So you have a farmer that... Or you have a farmer. You have yeah. a landowner that just says, hey, I'll charge you. He's actually, he's actually my neighbor on Angelville Road. Really? Okay. Yeah. So you just go up. He doesn't care. He doesn't. Oh no, he actually goes up with me and helps me do it. He's a great guy. Um, Okay. Yeah, he goes up with me and we we kind of do it together. And um, you know, I pay him rent for the land, and you know, it's a big chunk of land, but it's like the we need it to get by basically. And basically, the hay is just to feed the cattle. Yeah, and I'm telling you, when we're done with that, like it's like hell week. I'm so happy when I get home from there because it's like how long does that process take? Oh, this year was miserable because like we mowed hay and uh, it wasn't supposed to rain and we got like half an inch of rain and it just drew the whole process out. And the thing and it's with, long like, days. I'm assuming. The thing with farming, man, is like they say like the quickest way to ma- ha- get a million dollars farming is start with two, and that's like totally true. Yeah, you're just like burning money. You just standing in the field and like you just knock down like a couple thousand dollars worth of hay and it just rained and it, you might as well just like like light a thousand dollars on fire. And it's like is that bad? Oh yeah. I mean, it's you lose the quality. Uh, you adding money because now instead of drying it, now you got to pay extra to get all the hay wrapped, and it's like a, it's brutal. It will wear a man out. What what uh what, what uh where's like the best places to farm in the country? Oh. I guess just I'm saying like by weather. Oh, uh, I don't is there know. Places like, that are like profitable uh, that you know like the rain is typically. If I was milking cows, I've been so I've done like a bunch like of Wisconsin. Farm to, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say is Wisconsin or Michigan. Like I feel like Wisconsin especially is just like a great state to like farm in very similar to us yeah yeah a little bit warmer like kind of similar like pa weather like the parts of wisconsin we were in we were more towards the bottom of the state like matt uh, i'd have to look at wisconsin map but i know we were in madison which i don't think it's too far north yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. it's a nice place yeah madison's cool so uh we went out to madison a couple times um that's like the day i would call that like the unofficial dairy capital of the united states yeah madison is more the southern part of the 
yeah of the, of the state i thought it was weird because they like had they irrigated all their fields out there and i was like man that's something we do not do in so when they irrigate it's talking about just having like drainage and stuff no they're like adding water to the fields because it's it gets too dry out there so they have what's uh, called okay. center real irrigation so it's like a big pump in the middle of the field and it's like if you ever like flying over those states you notice like the fields are like circle. in a green circle yeah yeah because the center real irrigation is like in the center of the field is a line that comes up and then it comes, you know, out whatever the width of the field is, and there's wheels holding that line up on the end, and the water powers it in a circular motion. So that's why the fields are all circular. Which shape. is like what crop circles look like. Yeah, pretty much. That line, yeah. like all the aliens came down. It's just, yeah, farmers it's, like now it's just water. Yeah, <laughs> nah, it's just water. So I can uh, make a movie off of it. But. If I was raising beef cattle, I feel like I would probably do it somewhere in like the you know the Northwest. Um, really montana like somewhere up near there i think that they get they get a lot of state land to graze but it's like old contracts that they have so it'd be hard for a new person to do but it's uh their input costs are a lot different or honestly like a west virginia or virginia area just because you can keep them on pasture all year long and your like input cost is so much lower well, i was wondering like places that might because the thing is you don't really want a drought though because like you said no you're, then you're starting to put water in so it's like you kind of need like i guess in a perfect farming world obviously i know this can differ a little bit but like how many how often would you want it to rain or not? Do oh. you want it to rain like once every few weeks? Do you want it to rain once a week? I wish it would like rain an inch of rain every Monday. And, and then, then be have sunny snow. Tuesday to Tuesday to Sunday. And then, like, then that'd be perfect. And then you would just start your bit start everything around Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or maybe do it in the middle of the week so people can get the week. I don't know. So if it like rain, sunny, rain, sunny, that's just useless. No, that's a, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. You need you need a good like three day stretch. Just to dry out. Yeah, for sure. For dry hay. For chop and feed, like, two days is fine. But, yeah. I wish we would just get, like, a solid inch of rain once a week and then, like, maybe even half an inch of rain every Monday. Just now, enough. Have you ever butchered a cow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, my grandfather was a was – that was his career. He was a okay. butcher. Uh, so, like, in a non-weird way, I've been butchering animals since I was, like, six, seven years old. I used to go out and help them. Uh, How's that process? It's intense when you're like a kid, but like you kind of stage into it, right? Just like mortgage business. You so don't you're actually jump like, right into I mean, it. you're seeing the cow die. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you get used to it with livestock. There's dead stock, right? Like yeah. that's what Glenn Palmer always says. And I love that like saying, but like it's true, right? You just have to accept it for what it is. Um, we like eating hamburgers and steaks. So that's part of the business. We also like to think that we're, we're giving that cow the best life possible until it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the butcher and animals that's it's unique it's different um you know like when i was a little like that i wasn't there for like the actual like so there's uh there's butchering there's slaughtering there's like meat processing um so when i was younger like that i was mainly just helping out with my grandma kind of ran the meat cutting part of it um so i'd help out in there that was after the animals already like all the parts that made it look like an animal were off yeah um so just like big slab yeah exactly kind of like, like, the rocky, like movie. rocky movie yeah, absolutely exactly. yep um, and then as I got older, like kind of got involved a little bit more with the actual on-farm butcher, uh, the in-house butchering. Have you ever been to uh, uh, Veal's up in Hammondford? No, butchering I shop? haven't. I need to go though. It, I mean, it's not far from you at all. No, past Hemingford. I mean, it's probably fifteen minutes from your house or ten. Yeah, like, and Victoria's grandparents are right in Hemingford yeah. in the orchard. So hopefully, we can, I know the border's getting great. Basically, open where you stuff. like go down to their house, you just take hang a left there. Yeah, I think it's like the might be. Oh, I think it's before you get to like the main town square. Okay, area, but it's like. Yeah, it's it's right there on the. Um, I've been down there. I've been down that it's, way. It's uh, oh my god, I've heard a lot about something it. Hill Road. But if you, uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like we always went up before Christmas and we get a bunch of meat up there. Yeah, but, like, it's been a couple years now because yeah, yeah. of COVID. But um, 
you just go there and it's so cool because I, I always found it in like nostalgic because we might go up like, you know, a week before Christmas or something yeah. and you show yeah. up or even a few days before Christmas and you show up there. It's like, it's cold. Yeah. They're all wearing like the white coats. <laughs> yeah. You look in the back, they all just have meat and it's like, you look at all those cuts of meat and it looks, one, it looks great, but you're just, we're basically getting like bacon breakfast sausage yeah. and stuff. But, um, yesterday we bought, um, a couple steaks. We got to get some from uh, Mickey because we get most of our ground beef from Mickey. Mm. But the like ground steak. So I had a T-bone yesterday. We had some cast iron pans we just got. And I used to oh, have nice, cast man. iron. Yeah, I love cast iron. We just have no, it's the only I, way to cook a steak. Well, I haven't, I haven't cooked cast iron in a long time. So I usually grill the steaks. I yeah. put them on my grill, which is fine. But dude, a cast iron pan, man, it is it just hits different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so, so good. So I was like, just put the butter to it. But have you done that before? You just sear it? You just oh, sear it a few times? And I just, only like, cook in cast iron. Really? Yeah. It, so I don't good. even like, gr- honestly, I'm like a terrible dude because I don't like grilling that much. Like okay. I have a grill. I make like hot dogs on it and hamburgers. I do not grill steaks. Like so it just feels, cast iron? It feels wrong. So what's your process for the cast iron steak? Oh, so like I, I got a, like when I first started doing cast iron, I got like a hard life lesson that you need to season those pans. And like you can't dishwash cast iron. No, <laughs> I like ruined a cat my first cast iron. Oh paint. yeah, hand yeah. wash only. And I went like straight to YouTube, and I was like, "What did I do wrong?" Like, and I figured out the process right. Yeah. But then, like, once I got it down, like I figured it out. Make sure but... you were an oven mitt. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah at least that's I knew right. That. That's right. Number one, <laughs> yeah. that burns. Yeah. Yeah. So olive oil only, right? Just put some olive oil in there, and get it warmed up, and then I uh, saute um, like a dice up. Um, like a shallot i really like a yep. shallot onion yep. and then uh actual like garlic not like garlic powder like actual garlic get yep. that in there get that warmed up get the flavor there um honestly just salt and pepper the living daylights out of the steak and when you think you got enough salt and pepper you put more salt and pepper on and put that thing in there and just let it do its thing just cook it like at a good like a good high medium heat uh and then i just throw it in the oven let it finish so um so how long what do you put in the oven for how long? I you don't put know. It in I kind of just in the cast iron pan. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I kind of I don't know. I, I feel like I can kind of just low tell. though. You go down to probably two hundred. Oh or yeah, 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 yeah. Just let it like simmer, and then I take it out like when I know the steak's done, and like I don't let it finish in the oven. I take it out and yeah, put it back same. on the burner, and I just bathe it with butter. Um, okay, so that's a little different. I I had a I t- I took the steak and of course I watched the recipe because I'd never done it before. So yeah, I, I mean I've heard about it and it looks every time I see it, it's like God, why did I do that? So. Took took it out. Salt and pepper, absolutely. Yeah. And then I ended up searing both. I seared it for about thirty. Uh, I think it was like thirty seconds. Flip it thirty yep. seconds. Sear it thirty seconds. Hit the side a little bit. Now the only different, yeah. Well, first, first you put it in and kind of like roll the side just to yeah. get that like outside all kind of crispy. Yeah. Um. The only thing is with with the olive oil because of the smoke point. Have you ever looked at smoke points? No. So if you ever researched smoke points, you want something with a high smoke point. So olive oil is typically a finishing oil. Okay. So it's like a salad or you put yeah. it on dressing or, or like a pasta salad or something like that. Or, or you, like you see it on pizza and stuff. But if you're if you're trying to, you know, I did it with coconut oil yesterday. Which okay. Is, but you can do, I mean, a lot of it's like vegetable oil and stuff, which is, you know, not the best oil for, for you. But it yeah. has a high smoke point. So I guess it doesn't burn off as quick. Interesting. And I don't really know the science behind it. But I know there's certain ones if you look at like what you should grill with at high heat. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like macadamia nut oils and you have like all these like weird oh, nut wow. oils. Um, you know, peanut oil. I know they use, like, use it's like famous at five guys, but you, yeah. you use them. But so I put coconut oil in and I mean, this thing like just started steaming and I put yeah. it in and you just start seeing it kind of like <laughs> crystallize in the outside. That, yeah, like, yeah. that like, just like that, that crunchy coat. And then, uh, yeah. And then it was, so it was garlic, rose, uh, rosemary, thyme and uh, butter. Oh yeah. And I just yeah, let yeah. that go and you just kind of like, 
mix it all up and just pour it over. It yep. was the greatest steak oh, ever. Oh, it's so good. It's like unreal. I, my favorite's a ribeye. Like, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, got to go ribeye or T-bone. I ran out of ribeyes and T-bones because we ended up selling it all. Actually, uh, um, sold a bunch of Merit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Builder? Sold them. Yeah, yeah. sold Merit a quarter this past year. So, like, at Christmas, I wanted a steak. So, I actually went and saw Mickey. I was like, dude, I'm on a steak. So, like, if you want to buy it from anybody, I'm buying it from you. Ribeyes, yeah. Yeah. And, well, he ran out, too. So, I had T-bones. But, like, it's all right. Like, yeah, ribeyes be best. So, it was funny. Last night, it was, my wife had a sirloin and had a T-bone. Yeah. Bone and T-bone. I'm like, or, well, obviously, oh, bone. How'd she but, cook the sirloin? I, so, I didn't know. I cooked the same way. Oh, it's so bad. It's not as good. No, it's like chewing on a car tire. So, well, the thing was, when I did it, it was a little thicker. Okay. And it wasn't. It was still good, yeah, but it wasn't T-bone quality. I try to I give try to people like, like ideas when I deliver meat because I yeah. know I've I've made those mistakes, right? Like you get a sirloin cut and you're like, it's just not a prime cut. Like you have no. to cook that different. Like you have to either. Crock How would you pot cook that? that? I would honestly just crock pot it. Really? Yeah. Are you yeah. talking about like tips, or you just like slice it raw? And no, just, like, I mean like an actual sirloin steak. So you put the whole steak right in? Oh yeah, I got okay. a big old crock pot. I throw that thing in there. A little bit of like. Just slow and I'm, slow. Yeah, I'm cheap. I'm cheap and easy with vegetables. So like for that, like a crock pot dinner, right? Um, if I'm making like a roast onions. or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just throw all that stuff in there. A little bit of chicken stock or beef stock, yeah. depending, and then just let it do its thing all day. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I, I do. You, would you put it on the grill? I've done sirloin on the grill. The thing is, like I, I like I like like I said I like them fattier like yeah. meat. So my wife doesn't. She likes like the leaner meat. So she's like she'll be the one to get like a fillet at dinner. I'm like I don't. Want like, <laughs> like i get it it's probably good yeah, but i'm yeah. like dude give me that thick ribeye yeah, and all the yeah, fat yeah, and grizzle yeah. and like the, that marble on it I'm like that is my yeah, stuff i want heart failure right that's it i'm going i'm going purely for the enjoyment <laughs> yeah. of the food right now because right the thing is like steak i don't eat it often so yeah and like when you go out to dinner and you go to like say it's a steakhouse or a restaurant like do you order steak or are you like chicken pork fish um it depends uh I'm pretty picky with me, especially because like I feel like it, like you've eaten Mickey's like mm-hmm. like stuff that he's raised, so it's like I just feel like there's a taste difference. It depends on the restaurant I'm going to. If it's like a really nice steakhouse, yeah, I'll order a steak. But if it's like we go to like well, it's not even there anymore, but like we don't go out to dinner that much. But like if it's like a Uno or something, right? Like I'm not ordering a ribeye, like yeah. Unos or something like that, right? Uh, with that said, I'll still get like a Big Mac all day long because I got you, you like it. You know, it's different, right? Yeah, like, I don't even care where that, that came special from, sauce, <laughs> right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, I don't typically order too many steaks. I don't ever order burgers when I go out to eat. I've ordered a burger a couple times. I get burgers if it's like a good restaurant where you know the burgers are legit, not like the crappy, yeah. but like uh, Butcher Box got a killer turf and turf burger. I will get really? that. Yeah, I'll get that burger. Best burger I ever had, um, and again, I don't know if this is considered a good burger or not, but it was a peanut butter and jelly burger down at Druthers. No way. Down in uh, Saratoga's, yeah, Saratoga's Druthers. And this thing came out, and I was like, peanut butter, like, this is super weird. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) But it was a burger with legit peanut butter, and I think it was crunchy peanut butter. Interesting. And then they had, um, it was like an onion jelly on top. Yeah. So you kind of had like, the burger flavor and then a peanut butter and jelly and it was like that salty sweet and like yeah. the savory of and it's like you end up biting into that thing you're like by far the best flavor like the yeah, flavor yeah. palettes of it I mean it's just you never th- I would never think put peanut butter like a, a jelly on it but night and day but that was like a legit burger where yeah. I get like yeah I'm not gonna go to burger to me is like kind of a kid food thing like, like yeah, opt yeah, now yeah. give me fries and a burger I feel like if I go out to eat uh, which again we don't do a lot cause like I really like the food that we raise. Yeah. I like the taste of that better, but it's more like a special occasion or something. Yep. Big seafood guy. 
Like every time. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Like I can't grow seafood, so I want to go out to a restaurant. That's and get interesting. Seafood. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I find seafood doesn't fill me up, so I always go for a steak. Oh, no. Like big seafood guy. Every time. What's your favorite kind of seafood? I don't know. Uh, I love lobster. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to beat lobster. That's like the that's like the steak of the ocean. That and I'm a big scallops guy. Scallops are pretty good too. Especially when yeah. you get like the thick, like the meat Yeah, ones. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's... Lobster and scallops are probably the top two because you yeah. never get them. Like yeah. shrimp, I, I like sure. shrimp. I do. It's very common. Yeah, salmon's very common. Yeah, um, I have had like down in Florida, we've had grouper, which is really good. Okay, it's a type of uh, type of fish. But I mean, like then you get like the white fish. I'm not a big white fish fan. Like it's like you can get all the time. Yeah. I mean, the only one I, I will say, if you get like fish and chips, you get like a fried cod or something oh, like yeah, that. I'm yeah, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm i a big fish and chips. Like, I like fish and chips. It's like every once in a while. Do you ever have buddies give you like venison or something? You oh, ever yeah. have venison? Yeah. See, I'm not a venison. So I respect deer hunting. I'm nothing against hunters. I've done a lot of hunting. I enjoy lean. hunting. I would rather like spend my day in my warm house and eat a steak than like chase a deer through the woods and eat a tough ass deer steak. Yeah. I don't, I don't, um, so, so this is actually kind of funny. So I, I've never hunted before. Yeah. I like venison, but my wife really likes venison because she okay. likes leaner cuts of meat. Yeah, it's about I, as lean as it gets. Yeah, I, I like venison, venison, but it's like, it doesn't get me excited. Like if I, if I make venison, sometimes I make it, I, I, I usually, I typically try to undercook it a bit. Yeah. Just to kind of soften it up. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to do is go... You don't want to go beyond medium on those things. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardboard, oh, but so bad. Um, and it just you're just sitting there, like just gnawing on this yeah. thing. Um, certain things are good with venison, but like I said, it's I I'm, I limit as to what I eat with the venison. Yeah. A lot of times, like venison, like uh, they grind it up like sausage is really good. Yeah, and sometimes we put uh, we raise some hogs too. What my father in law, that's kind of his project, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll raise Greg hogs. Does that? Yeah, yeah, really? he does a really good job too. Yeah, well, on on your farm. No, yeah, actually, he's got him set up at his place out back. Yeah, how many does he have? Four. Does he butcher them? Or yeah, slaughter them yeah, around? yeah. No, it's only it's like a you know he gets them and we get them in generally May, April, May, and then like this year we got some bigger piglets, so they will go they'll go to the slaughter around like October. Does he keep all all the meat or does he sell it or he does a little bit of both? Um, this last year he kept all of it and it's so much like we had like freezers at our house freezers at his just house just like bacon pork. and ham and pork oh, pork everywhere. Pork chops are great though. Yeah, and they were like the good pork chops, like bone in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the best, the best pork chops I've ever had was a friend of ours, and I think I'm trying to remember the recipe because I always ask him like, yeah, I want to make these like, what yeah, is it? Yeah. So the the special ingredient is called fish sauce. No way. And you can get it. He was Asian, so like he yeah. had like this is kind of like I think a back I don't know if something he grew up eating, but fish sauce which you can get at like a Hannaford or, or kind of in the uh, international section. And you get that, you put brown sugar with it. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Shallots. Yep. Put that, and then salt and pepper. And whatever the ratio is, it's not like, I mean, you can pretty much eyeball it, but right. you sit there and you just put it, basically mix it in a bowl. You put all your pork chops in, you put that in and basically marinate it. Not long, like maybe a half hour tops. Yeah. So it's not like something you have to sit, I mean, you could have it sit overnight, but it doesn't need to. And then... Because of like the sugar on it, and because of like the the, the way the sauce is, yeah. you put these on, and it's very quick. It's like two minutes aside or three minutes aside because you're just. I mean, they're thin, so like yeah. yeah. These things are like, it's almost like a teriyaki. You know, teriyaki is that sweet taste. Yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, but absolutely amazing. Yeah, and 
I, I have to make them, but it's always like I need the fish sauce. And the thing is, like the shallots make a difference because usually I'm like, okay, I've brown sugar and I got the fish sauce. Yeah. Like salt and pepper. But it does add like a little bit of crunch and adds like that that oniony flavor that kind of has that little bit of kick to it. Greg is like, I mean, you know Greg. Greg is like, I spend more time with Greg than I do my wife. Like Greg is, helps me all Greg's the time. Greg's a great guy. I, yeah. I like, he's one of my closest friends up here. He's my father-in-law. Like I love that guy. But so he, when he raises, like he raised all the pork, like it was his first year he did it, like that we got a crop, like a pork crop off, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And so he, like, he's a passionate eater, right? He's just like, mm, oh my God. Like, so now my two year old son, like, watches him eat and, like, they think that's how you eat food, right? Like, you make all these noises, like, you're really enjoying the process. Anyways, Greg, it, like, he got an air fryer, right? So he's like air frying pork chops, like, five, six nights a week. He, like, went to the doctor. He's got so much meat. Yeah. yeah. He went to the doctor, like, dude, you got to stop. Like you're going to die from eating too much pork. Like you need to eat something other than pork. Like he did this for like three months and they're like, man, you like, you got to tap the brakes. Like you're going to kill yourself. So he had to like, you know, go to pork rehab and get that all straightened out. <laughs> He's a hoot though. Did, did he have, cause he lived in Texas for a time. Did he, yeah. did he have animals down there? No, farm? but he grew up on a farm in, uh, in, uh, on the other side of Alberg Springs. Okay. And they, uh, they had a farm actually just up the road from where we are it's not there anymore um the ganyo farm currently does the land there but uh they milked like 100 cows back in the day i think yeah, that so burned up in 95 that maybe? was his family farm yeah okay i was gonna say i thought he had a background in that so yep. i mean he must like that then get kind of back into it a bit. oh he loves it yeah he yeah. loves it he, he loves ribbing me and like well he's always an active guy too yeah so yeah, i think yeah. like for him i think it's just keep moving and keep doing oh, stuff for sure he's a, yeah no, he's, he's a great if like, i need to get a lot of work done like him and nathan are my guys every time I doubt Kyle. No, yeah, no, Kyle's no, no. Not I love that. Kyle, but like he'll come over and like uh, when we <laughs> first when we were building our fence when we first moved there, like Nathan and I are like pounding in fence poles, like Greg's dragon wire, like we're all sweating bullets. Like Kyle's reading the electric fence manual, and he's like, "Ah, oh, just so you guys know, like you can circle out this like wire around." And I was like, "Thanks, man. Like yeah. appreciate the information." You know? Yeah. No, Kyle's just, Kyle's doing it too, just completely sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't really care. Yeah. I'm not doing it. No, he's good. He's like, I know if I need something done, like you guys are here. But yeah. No, he, yeah, he's. Fun. We always, we always used to, Kyle was always, always one of those guys that like, when we were young, could like squeeze out of stuff. Like, yeah. like where's Kyle? He's almost like a, he was almost like a, like a greasy fish. You're like, you're trying yeah. to get him and he slip out oh, your hands. Man. It's like, all right, I got to go to That's do so whatever. Funny. I love Kyle. He's hilarious. I, I saw him last, last Tuesday, a couple of us like buddies got together from high school. Like, oh, cool. We, get the, we do it like maybe twice a year. It's just tough. You know, yeah. like family, uh, one guy lives away. So it's like when we get together. It's very rare we all get together. So maybe one guy comes up and we get like three of us together or yeah. four, but it's, um, sorry, two or three guys, but it's very rare we get all four. So it was kind of, it's fun just when you can like go back and see your high school buddies. Yeah. Cause the, the thing is that, like <laughs> the thing you get with the high school friends is they knew you before wherever you're, you're oh, at now. Yeah, yeah. So they just rib you. They, yeah. they talk, they talk <laughs> shit. They, they make fun of you. They, they like bust your balls about whatever. Yeah. And you wouldn't want it any other way. And no, I find right. that when you show up, you just turn to like a kid again and yeah. you just like make fun of each other. And it's like the, uh, yeah. the best passage of time. Kyle's so funny, man. Like he's just, he's it. I respect it. I envy Kyle sometimes. Like I'll be out. Uh, so like Kyle probably couldn't like change his car oil or like, no, change still the locks. Subaru, Couldn't I think right for oh he's got a thousand miles. Yeah, no, he got rid of that. <laughs> but uh, so Kyle like play video games and stuff, and he's like, oh, he works a lot of hours. But like when yeah. he's off, he like he's off, and uh, I'm just like sitting there sweating and like dying, and I'm just like, man, why am I not just like doing what Kyle's doing right now, right? Like going for a walk with like my dog and my wife, and like just hanging out. And, I I uh, I've thought I thought about that the other day. I was this was probably two weeks ago. 
Because we just talked about like you have stuff coming in all the time, and like yeah. I'm one of those people like my mind never shuts off because just like no, it's the next thing. Oh, what's the for next sure. Thing? What's the do list? And I remember I was golfing. Guys driving around the golf cart, changing out garbage. And yeah. I and I literally was looking at this guy, and I'm like. <laughs> I kind of want to do that right now. Oh yeah, man! Like I just want to put some music on, get a coffee. That's like not a retirement have to answer to job, anybody. Right? Just like working on a golf course, like maybe mowing, maybe just like mowing the greens on that fancy yeah, greens like, mower. Just yeah, like, I'm like the guys are like just mowing the fairways and greens. I mean, just sit there and listen to music <laughs> and just go up and down and listen yeah. to like a podcast. And I'm like, now knowing myself too, I'll be bored, de- bored silly after a day. Yeah, but yeah. Like just a few hours, like oh, I'm just like just be nice. Like that guy right there. Doesn't have to answer to anybody most of the day. He just does what he does. <laughs> yeah, just like calls a day and goes home. And I'm like, oh, man, it's gotta that, be beautiful. It, it's one where like I, did you have a hard time shutting your mind off at times? For sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I had like a, a crazy day at work last Friday. It was just like a million things going on, and uh, you know, with with like Finn or son sleeping, it's like hit and miss at this point, right? Yeah. Like he's in a pretty good routine now, but like even if he's like sleeping you're still like when's he gonna wake up and then you take on top of that like all the stuff you're like thinking about for work and then we were trying to finish hey up in ellenberg and it was like 1 30 in the morning i was just like bright eyed wide awake mm-hmm. like could not sleep the whole night and then i came into work like that was a thursday night i came into work friday morning because you're like dead on friday and i was like well i was just sort of like hitting the hitting the caffeine hard today right we're gonna get through today but yeah. like yeah i cannot i have a t- i do a horrible job i've done uh the great thing about pooling is they like really set you up when I was there to like whatever level of success you want, like within yourself, like we'll support it. Right. So like when I first started, I did like a six or a six or eight week Dale Carnegie training in Burlington. Oh yeah. 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 Super awesome. How like, to meet friends, influence people. Yeah. Right. And it was yeah. a hands-on course. And like the guy was there, like one of the major things is like, how do you handle stress? Right. So he's like, you know, basically you're like laying in your bed and like, think about you're in like a big empty warehouse. Right. And like all that stuff that's like really edging you, right? Like maybe you had somebody like scream at you that day and like, it's just working you up. Like you just like literally take that energy, like take that thought you have, like pretend you're putting it in a box and put it on the shelf Mm -hmm. and like do it two or three times. Like repeat that process. Honestly, I do that all the time. That's like a great way to like unwind. Cause like you think about it, you're like, you're mentally boxing that up. And like, then you like pretend you just like walk out of this building where you're laying in bed at one 30 in the morning and Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I yeah. found that to be fairly effective. Yeah, it's it's uh like the mind the mind's always I mean, that's the most powerful thing in your body. Yeah. It's like your mind just runs, 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 and it's um a lot of it's just like deep what's it uh compartmentalizing things. Yeah. And it's it's so hard and especially work where you your work can't especially nowadays everybody's connected, like your work goes home with you and like we talked yeah. about going up to Ellen or you know, lying mountain with no cell phone service. Right. Like I purposely, if I have to go to Malone or something, I'll take 374 all the way up. I have no oh, service yeah. and I love it. Yeah, and yeah. It's like I know I have about 45 minutes to an hour where nobody can reach me. And it's just listening to a podcast or or uh, some music in my car and I just zone out and drive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is there so, like a kind of like a mental reset where it's like, oh, this, I don't have to, like, there's no reason to check my phone because yeah. nobody can contact we me. Went to, uh, we went to Aruba for a honeymoon. And uh, I'd never been out of the, like flown out of the country. Right? I've been to Canada and stuff, but like, I left my phone home. I was like, really? I brought a GoPro, and yeah. I was like, I'm not taking a phone. Like Victoria brought hers, but like we weren't gonna act. We weren't gonna turn on by like extra coverage for a week. Like mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. Like we got everything lined up with like the farm, and like we obviously didn't have a kid and stuff at the time. We're like, you know, we both took the week off work. Like this is all gonna work. And I'm, 
like day two, you're still like checking your pocket. Like, where's my phone? Like, where's my text? Day three, you start winding down. Day four, I wasn't sure I had a heartbeat anymore. I was so relaxed. It was nice. like the calmest, nicest thing. And then for the last couple of days you're there, it's just like pure peace. Like you're just not running on a schedule. How often do you do that? Not enough, man. Honestly, I am, uh, that was the last time that was in 2017 that we went on a vacation because the summer is so incredibly busy for us. Yeah. Uh, I think now we've talked, we've had a lot of talks about that, right? Like we need to figure this out. So we're not just like work, work, work. And then especially with having the uh, two year old son, like our vacation now is when his daycare is closed. So like we take time off to make sure he's got care, but like trying to figure that out, you know, that schedule. So we have that work life balance and trying to, trying to take some time off too. It was for us, it was 17, same thing. It was a week cruise and with a bunch of people. And I, I remember I, we left out of Florida. I still had cell phone. I mean, you got in the boat, you still had cell phone service yeah, here yeah. in Florida. And I remember going to my room. We're like unpacking. My phone was there. I checked everything. No, There's no notifications. And I literally turned my phone off, opened my book bag, dropped it in, zipped it, <laughs> did not unzip that pocket yeah. for seven days. And I, as soon as I did it, and I walked, because of course you have friends there. And like, as soon as I did it, I like walked out, I was like, Let's go. Yeah. I was not, I didn't care. I didn't care what time it was. I didn't oh, care. I had so no peaceful. Unless someone was like, Hey, we got to go in an hour. I'm like, that's fine. I'll be ready in an hour. Like yeah, we're yeah. just, just hanging. <laughs> and then I just remember getting done and like turning your phone on. Yeah. Like when you got back, like, <laughs> and I remember <laughs> yeah. turning it on and what I did, I think I put it back in the bag when I turned it on for like yeah. a half hour. Cause then you just let everything kind of filter yeah. through. And then I kind of looked at it and it might, you know, you get a little bit of an anxiety, but at a certain point you're like, you know, it was totally worth it. Yeah. And like usually 4th of July, I take a few, I haven't done it in the last two years, but like we would go to a, a friend's house um, in the Adirondacks and same thing, like very little cell phone coverage and they have Wi-Fi. So like most people yeah. are on Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, nope, phone off in the bag, like <laughs> yeah. three, four days of nothing. Like I, yeah. I've never tapped in the Wi-Fi at that place ever. Oh man, that's a good move. Well, it's just like, I, I for me, it's, I need a mental, just complete reset where I for wake sure. up in the morning and go to bed at night and don't care at the time and don't care. I don't have to yeah. answer anybody. And it's oh, like, it's I amazing, you, man. It's nice to, uh, it's nice to be able to do that and like kind of check out. I'd like to get set up to the point where, uh, do like something local, like a, you know, like a week or so in the summer, you mm-hmm. know, up here and enjoy the Adirondacks and stuff. We don't really get a chance to do that now. And then like towards the fall when it's like things slow down for us a little bit, like try to do like a bigger trip. Just and, get away. Yeah. Just get away. And like, I'm not like a world traveler, but like the whole getting out of the country thing. So the phone don't work. I'm like very pro that. Yeah. I'd love to be able to do a little bit more of that. Yeah. There's something beneficial. And I, I try, like, I really try to limit certain times where I talk to people and it's not cause I love talking to people, but at certain point, like I'm just mentally fried by the end of the day. Oh, for sure. And I use by the end of the week, I'm like, I want to get home on Friday night and I want to come back to work on Monday yeah. and I don't want to talk to anybody but my wife and my three kids. I feel like if you set like your individual goal, I'm like a big goals guy and I feel like if you set your individual goals really high, like some anxiety is going to come with it. Right. And then you oh, just absolutely. like start adding everything else to it. And uh, yeah, I always kind of like laughed and I hate to say it, but like when I was younger, I was like, Oh, anxiety. Like if you got that, like you're soft. Right. Yeah. And now I'm like, Holy crap, man. Oh, I just had That's this conversation a with a friend. Thing. I was like, um, like I was, I'm a very, like glass half full guy. Yeah. And like the last, I think a lot, a lot of it was COVID. Cause you just like things kind of shut down. I mean, it would not kind of, they did shut down. So it's like you go from 
seeing people and talking to people all the time and it being totally normal yeah. to now coming back. And like, even if I want to talk to people, a lot of people are still not with it. And you're just kind of like, yeah. okay, well that takes a lot of wind out of the sales. Luckily I have some good friends like that I see a lot. So that helps. But like we talk like anxiety, like mild depression, like stuff like that. Oh, like sure. it's a real thing. And like, absolutely. And part of it is thinking like anxiety of like, man, I got to just like relax at times because I get too high yeah. strung. We were playing in a golf tournament the other day. And uh, for a charity thing. Yeah. And the night before was just a bad day. Not like, it was work, but it was long. And it was just like, it was just kind of like you just said, it was a long Thursday. And didn't get much sleep. Next day I got up and I was just like, boom, 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 boom. We were supposed to be there at a certain, like, I say a certain time. I wanted to plan to get there. We got there almost like an hour later, like right before it started. And I was just like rushing to go. And one of the people on my team, she's like, dude chill man yeah. just chill because <laughs> yeah. i was like you know what and then i i got to my i think it was on the second hole and i was like listen i'm not touching work today like, yeah. i'm not touching work second hole she's like are, are you looking you're doing work right now aren't you I'm like, yeah yeah so literally i got to like this was leaving the green i got to the next tee box i'm talking like a 15 second drive from the moment she said it because she basically said like called my bullshit and was like yeah. Dude, you're not you're working and i'm like you know what 100 got to the next tee box shut my phone off and didn't touch it for like six hours. Oh, that's sick. And I was like, I had some stuff afterwards. And I was like, you know, like it felt great. I was like, I just yeah. completely disconnected from the world for, cause it, cause what I was doing, I was just getting so high anxiety. It's like, why? I'm like, nothing needs to be done. It's fine. The world's not ending. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the sky's not falling. Let me just enjoy my <laughs> friends and let's enjoy a good time. And one of the best, I, so it's just something that I got to get. I personally have to get better at. Okay. I'm doing an event. Let's just take five hours out. And that might be yeah. a mini like break of the, the week where I'm just like, Hey, it felt great. I didn't have to check the phone for oh, six for hours. Sure. And it felt amazing. We had, a, uh, I was trying to like, you know how it is beginning of the new year. I'm like, all right, I'm going to drop a few pounds. Right. Like I'm not a Fitbit guy. Like I kind of just rely on farm work for my physical activity. And like, yep. so my Victoria's got like a sweet, like smartwatch thing. So I was like, ah, oh, give me that. Like I'll put it on. See, if, see, we'll try to bump the steps up a little bit every day. Right. Like I'll wear this thing around I had it on. I went to work and it was like sending alerts to her phone. She's like, what are you doing right now? I was like, I'm just like doing my job. Right. This is before cross country. And she's like, your heart rate is higher than when I do like a full on workout. And I was like, it is. And she's like, yeah. Like, are you like running like around a farm? Like, what are you doing? I was like, no, I'm just like doing business. Right. And she's like, you gotta like take a break. Like that's just not like healthy. Like just anxiety. Just super high. Like, yeah, super high anxiety. Like my, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the, I had like a surgery and I was there and like my, Look, looked at my thing. I'm like, is that my blood pressure? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, most people are like, you know, they have high blood pressure when they come because they're nervous about it. I'm like, no, that's like way higher than I'm usually have like a pretty low blood pressure oh, guy. Yeah. And I looked at it. I'm like, I'm well within like high blood pressure right now. Oh, for like, sure. I'm like, I'm just stressing out about stuff. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, my doctor tells me all the time, like, dude, you got to like cool off. Like you got to figure out something else to do. And I'm like, nah, I just like. I'm the same as you. I I'm get like, bored. Well, I get bored and I, I work, but then it's like I get to the point where I just get burnt. I say get burnt out. Oh, yeah. I, just get, I don't really get burnt out. I just get to the point where I'm just, I'm like tired. I guess it's like yeah. burnt out. I mean, I like what I do. It's just I get to the point where I'm just like, I'm fried, man. And like, oh, it gets so bad. You sometimes just have to remove yourself from the situation. Like yeah, when we were doing hay up there and it like started raining and I just like knew like what was coming and what was happening and like what the, what the outcome of the situation we were in. I like just like just walked away. I was like, I got to like, they're like, there's three guys standing Before you get there. frustrated. No, it was just so it was so built up because it was like, you know, whatever for a certain amount of hours during the week for for cross country, which is great. And then like then the farm on top of it. And like, it's just so all the time, like nonstop working. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like and everything and, yeah. you work for is like 
falling apart because Mother Nature decided to drop an inch of rain when it yeah. wasn't supposed to rain. You're like, oh my God, like there goes another few thousand bucks, right? And like equipment's breaking. It was just one of those days. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna get my truck. I'm gonna drive around the block, right? Like I'm just gonna cool off here for a minute and like we're gonna figure this out. But you could just like feel it building up. I was like, yeah. it's either this or heart oh, attack. Oh, you caught yourself before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like you could just feel it building. I was like, my heart's either gonna stop or Good like I'm gonna eat my Greg's pork seven days a week. Yeah, right? <laughs> it probably would have yep. stopped before then. <laughs> um, well, Cool. Uh, let's let's uh, yeah. yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, Dylan, this was fun. Yeah, it was Glad cool. I, I was saying before you came on, I was like, I've seen you multiple times since you got into real estate or in real estate into mortgages, and I've just never been able to talk. Like you're yeah. at, you're at North Country Connects. Yep. Actually, I didn't even recognize because you had masks on, and I had a suit on. I think the last time you saw me, I had rubber boots on. Yeah, so yeah. Why, why do you wear a suit most days? I don't know. I thought that I never worked in an office. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. Because you came down the copy <laughs> thing, you had a suit on. So I was like, yeah. oh, you must be out meeting a lot of people. And you're like, no, I'm making no. calls. I'm like, yeah. Well, we see some people in the office. Oh, whatever, yeah. But. I probably do like one in person, one or two a week. It's not many. Yeah, Mostly but like calls. you came down. I was like, oh, Dude, wow. my only experience of an office was The Office, the TV I show. Love so the I show. was like, dude, so like, I literally have the, I saw that. I respect the I got that. that. I got the, uh, oh I got, my God. My wife actually gave me a bobblehead of myself. Yeah, oh, no the, way. Because it's right there to the oh. right of the, the world. Right <laughs> of the world's. I got this my office shelf, the world best boss. Got the office, like the placard. Oh man, that's sick. So I got it. Yeah. So well, I just thought you wore like a suit because I, like, I was like, I've never been in an office before. Like I've worked on farms for the last ten years. So, so you- well, the, the so I remember getting into real estate the first day. I like walked in shirt and tie. Like, yeah. Not, not a suit, but like shirt and tie, dress shoes, everything. And now I came in. Oh, this this is what I was wearing. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I was wearing today because I went golfing this morning. I really haven't had to see people yeah. today. It's like been in an office day. Yeah. So some days I look at my schedule. I'm like, you know what? I really. I brought some stuff to kind of freshen up, and I'm like, I'm not seeing anybody. I don't really yeah, have to right. like special. Like, I'm see- I saw you and another buddy of mine today. I'm like, that's Damn. it. I don't care. Yeah. And I'm, I like, walked in, and Nicole goes, "Why are you dressed up today?" <laughs> and this is what I, this is what I was wearing because like I typically wear like just like black jeans, oh, sneakers. Man. I and, love like, dressing like a dirt bag. Well, it's, that's it's, my favorite. My, my normal day is like, um, like honestly, like Air Force Ones, like yeah. Nike Air Force Ones, black jeans. Yeah. They look a little dressier than normal jeans. Yeah. And then I wear just a very plain, either crew neck or V neck plain t-shirt. Yeah. And I wear that. I wear that Monday through Friday. I don't care if I'm like I, tomorrow. I have a presentation thing to do at a, uh, I think Ro- Rotary. I have like a new member presentation. Yeah. That's how I'm going. I'm talking yeah, in front yeah. of like 30, 40, 50 <laughs> business professionals. And I'm yeah. literally going, showing up like that. And I don't yeah. care if like, nah, cause you get to it, the right. point where it's, but it's not a bad thing that you dress up. I'm just saying like over time, my, my, my attire has gotten way more lax. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. like, you got to look too, is like if people like you for who you are, then I'm like, well, this is kind of how I dress, oh, how I yeah. do my videos. It's how I do everything. So yeah. like, well, that's kind of the guy I know. Like that's I was like, well, all right, I want Adam to know I'm serious. Right. Like I'm taking this professional. Adam I'm dressed up nice. So, oh yeah, he, for sure he does. And, uh, he's not wearing a suit but like you know like nice like there's a lot of blazers oh for sure yeah like looks good like dresses sharp and i'm you know i was kind of like all right gotta like set the tone like i don't want to come in like a flannel on or like a hoodie i'm a big hoodie guy i wish i could wear a hoodie every day but like i feel like that's i would i'd like question doing a mortgage with someone wearing like a ripped hoodie right you know what i mean so you say that so i uh I wear a lot of crew neck sweatshirts without yeah. the hood. Yeah. But I got a couple of our shirts with logos. Oh, yeah. All the time. So they're yeah. basically sweatshirts. Oh, so they have sure. our, our logo on. It's like, oh, the <laughs> shirt. Like, like cheating. I'm yeah. like, I'm cheating. I'm totally <laughs> cheating. It's not. But um, cool. all right. Well, Dylan, we're going to end there. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on. Uh, for anybody that wants to reach out to you, kind of give a little plug for you, the business. Yeah. So you can uh, find anything cross country related at Team Crosley on Facebook. Um, you know, look us up there. We're help, happy to help anybody in the community or uh, we're licensed in a bunch of states. So if you're thinking about, you know, moving down south or something like that, give us a 
call. I'll be happy to help you uh, figure out your goals there. In terms of me personally, uh, Dylan Snell on Facebook. I don't do too much on Twitter or anything else. Uh, or Angelville Acres is our is our farm page. So if you like pictures of cows and baby calves and stuff, and you know buying local meat, and you can look us up on there. Perfect. All right. Well, that's episode one forty four of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.